Ahoy there, mateys, and welcome to the Rolling Moor podcast. The smug Leicester Tigers, Champions of England, Lord of the East Midland podcast that's here to gloat graciously about the latest victory over our neighbours down the wrong end of Welford Road. The rough end, so to speak. That's it. That's it. That lot down the road. Yeah. The noisy neighbours. Noisy neighbours, exactly. Fantastic. Well, um, mate, how was your weekend? You were there. Uh, we've had a moan about ticket prices. We might get into that later. But uh, how was the day out at Franklin's Guns? It's a great pitch, actually. Always a very good pitch. Always gets very high rankings amongst players. Yeah, it's a shame that the ticket prices are so expensive because it is a lovely ground to go to. And it is a, it is a good uh, match day experience uh, as such. Uh, lovely ground, lovely pitch uh, and that. So it is a shame that the tickets were so expensive. But yeah, good weekend. Saturday obviously was a highlight with with, with Tigers. And then Sunday um, was an early anniversary present from, uh, from, uh, from last year. So uh, me and my wife, Jen, were in London and watched the show. So uh, all, to, all in all, very good weekend and uh yeah, oh, very good what show did you watch we went to see lion the witch in the wardrobe mm-hmm. uh, which was very very good i'd highly recommend that and we had a lovely lunch in a restaurant called sketch um it's one of those sort sounds of dangerous and trendy it is it is however it's one of those places that's got f- three restaurants in one with like each restaurant in a different room with different vibes and different feels for it um and highly recommend it we we got given it as a as a present um and we were Fully utilised it. It's hard to find a bad no, show sort of around that area in London, to be fair. We, my wife and I went to see the play that goes wrong, which I think actually recently toured. That is very funny. Recommend anyone to see that. And like, as I say, I, I'm ashamed to say I did uh, drama at GCSE. It probably won't come as a surprise to a lot of people at school. And we used to get made to go and see lots of plays. And you'd see some great stuff in Leicester, but you'd also see some less impressive one. I do remember one at the Haymarket. I'm not going to name the play, but basically it collapsed halfway through. People stopped remembering their lines. People kept walking on halfway through, realising they weren't to be on and ended up apologising to the audience halfway through. It was genuinely like another waste of two hours. Probably a bit like listening to this podcast, to be honest, but but there we go. No, I'm glad, glad you had a good weekend. Sadly, uh, as we know, I'm going to talk about this. Uh, I miss the East Midlands derby. What was the reason why, Mike? Uh, well told the uh, local coach that, yeah, look, after my cameo the other week, I'm available to bench for the back row slash centre for the for the third team. And he took that to mean, ah, so you're available to start at fly half, uh, which I did. Uh, I was bricking it 65 minutes in and uh, one try, five out of six conversions later. We're going to say he, he's back. I told you you were underselling yourself Friday when I was getting all the text messages of nerves. I was like, I was the one having to boost you up. So I take credit because I was massaging your ego Telling you all be fine because you were saying, "Oh, all I've got is a chip kick," and I was like, "Yeah, but have you got the Peter K?" And you went, "Yeah," yeah. and I was like, "Well, that's a spiral bomb." Yeah, a spiral bomb. I, I didn't bring out the chip kick at all, and actually, our fullback had a decent boot on him. So whenever we wanted to clear it, I just told him to step up. It was fine. Just shout at the forwards a little bit. Got a turnover. That was my favourite bit. That's obviously the flanker in me getting a turnover penalty and feeling my neck get folded into my chin as people tried to clear me out. So. It's probably me, if I'm being honest, but it did feel that everyone was a lot younger and quicker than I remember them being. The worst bit was this guy sort of got on the outside and I thought, it's all right, I've got him covered. And he just kept getting further away from me. And I was thinking, I should be able to catch him. Why aren't my legs moving? I was like, oh yeah, dad bod, that's why. Time waits for no man. Yeah, certainly. So about this try then, mm. I don't respect, we'd obviously we're not going to spend all the time about it. But no, only probably about ho- 75% of the podcast, that's fine. Hall of Famer? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 10 meters out, uh, our nine took a quick tap. Uh, and I basically sort of farted my way over the line with a really unconvincing dummy that the guy didn't really fall for, but because he, I was bigger than him, I just sort of like shoved him out of the way and, um, fell over on the line in a really ungainly manner. And yeah, absolute beauty, mate. Um, but I was, I was very happy with it. Obviously it's always nice to get over the line. And I was, I was actually more happy to us with my conversions. I'd changed my kicking technique about oh, over the summer. Uh, just when I was taking Fred down to go and sort of mess about on the playing fields, I thought, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to do this four step runner. I just stripped it back to two. And uh, yeah, it, everything's going straight and true. It's lovely. I couldn't even see where the last three went because I was kicking into the sun. So I just had to hope they went through. But ref put his hand up. Yeah, very happy with it, mate. Very happy. I think what we need to do is now you're a try scoring machine. Mm. I take it on Saturday, there was no try celebration because more that was probably out of surprise more than. than oh, no. The, the, I used to celebrate a lot when I scored a try, you know, big like, like chest thumping and stuff. And now I've realized it's a lot cooler now just to kind of get up with the ball and and chuck it over your shoulder, which I did, but then I remembered I needed to get the ball back so I have to take the kick. So I look like a bit of a tit. So from now on, it's just score and shrug, what, next, whatever. It's much cooler. I think maybe you need to introduce some celebration ideas to you. Maybe we ask the listeners to give you some celebratory ideas. Oh, very nice. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, a bit like the Thomas the Tank kind of, uh, like, just just something... You need a trademark. You need I a, need trademark. a trademark. Yeah, okay, nothing extravagant. I mean, we can we can work on the backflip, but nothing that extravagant, probably. <laughs> but probably something a bit more subtle, like some sort of hand gesture or... I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll put it out to the listeners. That's fine. I'm, yeah, I'm quite happy to do that. But, I mean, the, the main thing for me was, do we consider 15 points a haul? I'd say so. Okay, 15-point haul. We'll finish on that. Anyway, uh, no, we are. We'll we'll put a stop to my bragging about my exploits in third team Southwest Haribo Suites Division Four. But we'll go and talk instead now uh, about uh, what we've got planned today, which is obviously, firstly, um, adulating about a wonderful win in a crazy East Midlands derby. People said it wasn't a classic. I think it was. With just how batshit crazy it ended up being, we'll look forward to a very challenging trip away to Saracens. And as an extra special treat, we have got none other than Tigers legend. You voted him on, on the wing for the import 15, Toulouse Vianu. We've just finished recording that bit now. And all I'll say is, it's amazing. This it, It's worth listening for. It is, we're still buzzing off it, to be fair. It's hard to talk because both of us are absolutely buzzing still off the back of it. He is such an amazing guy. I won't give anything away apart from to say how much he loves Tigers comes through loud and clear. Absolutely amazing. Uh, chance to talk to him as always if you want to get in touch with us and please do our twitter handle is at rolling mall pod or one word or you can email us at the rolling mall at outlook.com and don't forget to leave a rating and a review on apple Podcasts. if you haven't done it already do it because we need it and it helps us so thank you very much before we crack on a quick thank you to our sponsors st martin's coffee rushes who are helping us put this all together St. Martin's Coffee Roasters are a small team of coffee professionals, proudly born and bred in Leicester. Family owned and operated, they've been dedicated to perfecting the art of coffee roasting for the past 10 years, solely focused on sourcing, roasting and supplying some of the world's best specialty coffee to their customers across Leicestershire and the UK. They're passionate Tigers fans and St. Martin's have long-standing connections with the club and are proud to help caffeinate the players and staff in their efforts on and off the pitch. In an effort to help the fans wake up on match days, St. Martin's Coffee Roasters are offering 20% off all coffee when listeners use the code ROLLINGBALL, that's all one word, 
on their website. So visit stmartinscoffee.co.uk to stock up on locally roasted specialty coffee and use the code ROLLINGMALL, all one word, to save 20% off your next purchase. Okay, well, we'll get on to the Saints game in just a minute, but we're going to do a new segment without giving it a proper segment because there's not enough news to warrant its own segments, if that makes sense. Anyway, quick tip of the cap to the Tigers boys who were named in the England squad today. It's effectively the same gang that went across to Australia in the summer, plus Ben Young's. The rumours of his demise were greatly exaggerated. So congratulations to Joe Hayes, Freddie Stewart, JVP, Ollie Chesham, Guy Porter and Lenny on going to the England camp. Obviously, it's not the Autumn Nation squad, but it's previous years has been a good indicator for Jonesy. The only thing I, I would say is to Eddie is, look, hey, George Martin, get him in your squad. What are you doing? But then again, also don't look at him because we're going to need him if you keep pinching all our players and the Premiership keeps running on whilst internationals are happening. But a good, healthy Tigers contingent there, Elliot. No, absolutely. Buzzing to see the boys kept, uh, kept on going after the summer. Sometimes you see lads go away on the, the, the summer tours and then immediately dispense with. So it's it's nice to see a bit of consistency in that selection. So clearly they've, they've done something right and you can see in their performances so far this season that they're um, that they've all all looked great for for their time away with England. Guy Porter looks, you know, it looks, it looks like he's took his game on uh, leaps and bounds by being away. So yeah, mm. it's great to see. I think we all want to see as many of our boys as much as it hurts us. It is great to see so many of our boys with England. So uh, well done to them. Absolutely. And a quick shout out as well to Vicky McQueen and the Leicester Tigers women's side who have their first home match this weekend, don't they, Elliot? One o'clock, I think it is. It is. It's, it's perfectly timed so that um, you can watch the uh, the ladies play and then straight into the bar to watch the uh, the men play away at Saris at three o'clock kickoff. So um, good luck to Vicky uh, and team. Special moment to, to run out at uh, Welford Road. So I bet they're all buzzing to, to have that. And hopefully you can see us get as many people in um, to watch them as possible to cheer them on. I've had my email come through offering the code for uh, to get a ticket as a season ticket holder. Hopefully everyone else has as well. Um, yeah, let's see see if we can just get as many people down as possible to uh, to cheer them on. Absolutely, yeah. Good luck, guys. Um, would be really good to get a good crowd for that. Let's get on to the East Midlands derby uh, where Tigers walked away with <laughs> incredibly a forty-one points to. 21 win which is not bad not bad not entirely expected um but Elliot where do you start with that what was the feeling in the ground sort of at the end I've heard it reported as being sort of shock and despair I mean it was quite I think for every Tigers fan there it was jubilation because no one really saw the game going that way and as has been remarked upon at 10 minutes to go, it's still 21-17 to Saints. So what happens in the last 10 minutes is truly remarkable uh, that comes off the back of it, really. And it's, just, it's just sensational, really. For me, Saturday was a great afternoon in terms of, like, it's a huge step forward for us. I know we had a good step forward against Falcons last yeah. week. This, to me, feels a massive step forward in terms of get really close to get, getting close to the team we want to be this year and the sort of rugby we want to be playing. I think that's a massive tick in the box. And I can, and I think that's why a lot of the celebrations were so um, so big at the end from our boys because I think they know as well that that's a big step forward. If it was a statement win, I've got to be honest, in terms of uh, putting a marker down for not just us but across the league, I think a fair few teams will, will look at that and go, you know, 
bit of a rumours that Leicester second season syndrome. I think that shows that maybe that's not going to be a thing. I think that showed that we're a serious outfit still this year. And the last thing was just how impressive Saturday was, was the composure from our boys in terms of, immature is the wrong word, but they're not still a fully mature team yet. There's still quite a lot of young boys who are still learning their way in rugby. They're still being presented with different scenarios and they're still having to find different answers to find their way um, in professional rugby. So for still a young side, to not panic at 14-3 down or at 21-10 down, Mm. to not panic, to stay calm and just back your processes, back what you need to do and stick to your game plan and just be so resolute at it for 80 minutes. I think it's really impressive. And I think that's probably, it's that maturity which is coming through, which I think is really, really impressive because at 21-10 or 14-3, how many times have you seen a Tigers team crumble? I mean, it, that that was the trademark yeah. of, you know, those two horror show years. Yeah. That could have been a car crash. So to have turned that round and to just be so diligent and so at Franklin's Gardens as well you know you don't have Welford Road to kind of lift you up or, or the fans behind you to kind of do it that was all done off their own backs and I heard a few people say and I think I heard the Radio Lesser guy say that oh, well you know kind of it, it was it's not a game you can give Tigers a lot of credit for I disagree I think you can because this was a game that was built on pressure where we fought our way back into the game against adversity, having had a difficult start. That's going to happen against a team like Saints. They're a good side. We weren't playing against Mugs. Saints rip very good sides apart on a regular basis. And the way they attack causes problems. The good thing is, is that also the way that they got through us shouldn't have happened, admittedly, and they can be fixed as well. But the way they bounced back, they got their way back into the game. They played some good rugby, a bit inaccurate at times, but started to kind of creep their way into it. Then got them into Saints got into the vice in that second half. And Leicester just did not let them go. They squeezed, they squeezed, they squeezed. And yes, you can talk about the yellow cards. So you could you know, only do it about 13 men or against 12 men. But that's that's part of it. That's part of effectively putting a side under so much pressure that they have to either concede tries or give away penalties illegally. Because let's face it, those penalties they gave away prevented them from conceding tries earlier than they actually did. I mean, if anything, I thought Dixon was very lenient to Yogan, who is a really talented you know, young Lou said, and he's great around the park. Uh, and actually, he he causes problems. I remember in the semi final last year, but obviously, we'd taken that personally. We'll get on to you know the great king himself, Dan Cole, later. But Eogan, if you look at his bind, he is pulling down on that straight away. He is struggling under the pressure so much that he wants it to collapse. If he collapses, quite a 50 50 call for a ref. But thought the way that we squeezed him, we stuck to it. And like you say, Time's ticking, and probably as fans, we're like going, oh, we've only got 20 minutes left, and we're shitting ourselves a bit. And actually, what they did was they held it together really well, and they knew that effectively, eventually the dam would break. And when it did, wow, it was a torrent that went through. Uh, let's go f- from the top then. So first 20 minutes was a bit, well, I think the word shell shots came out. I'm not quite sure about that, because I think Saints did what we expected them to do, uh, which is attack really well. I actually thought the first 10 weren't too bad. It was quite nip and tuck, and perhaps we weren't looking after the ball particularly well. One thing that stood out to me, though, was, yes, George Martin putting in some big shots as usual, but Ollie Chesson um, absolutely throwing himself around to another level that he was at last year. He was absolutely burying people. And again, you talked about Guy Porter before looking better for England uh, duty. Uh, Ollie, for me, is another one. Yeah, definitely. I think... I used the, the, the phrase frightening physicality. And I think that's I think that's a good test of where he is because it, he hurts and he hits people hard. And the same way that George does. 
And we talk about Ellis leaving and it's a it's a big thing for us. I think in a way, I wouldn't say it helps us or it's not something that you want to do, but the byproduct of Ellis leaving is that other boys have got to step up, especially with Montoya and Visa being away. And one of the things is that someone like Chesham and George Martin are taking an extra responsibility um, onto that in terms of the physicality, both in, around the park in their carrying and also in their defensive work because they, their physicality in both areas of the game are a huge part of why we won the game because it was just, the buzzwords I want to use from Saturday is relentless. And that it was a constant 80 minutes of high relentless um, activity. And Chesham's hit from that kick chase in the first 10 minutes is a pretty much a good opponent of what they're about. Skating through the Chesham Express, absolutely cut him in half. Absolutely. And you mentioned about that first 10 minutes. I actually think that first 10 minutes is pretty solid because it's even Stephen Seaver way. And we're starting yeah. to impose a little bit of physicality into our game. I think we made a, a nice start, got the penalty bang in front, got it over at 3 0. Yeah. I think that's a, I think we took. I thought it was a reasonably controlled start. I thought there was a couple of half breaks where Saints looked a little bit dangerous in the wider channels, but we scrambled across well. As always, I think that we always knew they were going to try and target Namani because sometimes his decision making uh, isn't always top draw in the wider channels, but we covered well. Um, I also liked it. I thought when we did start attacking, we showed some nice things, you know, another improvement from perhaps the Exeter game where we were building some good phases. And then unfortunately it would be a knock on or something silly that would, you know, a mistake would effectively cost us. But I, I did very much enjoy poor Fraser Dingwall and Namani's for some reason. Remember that game? Was it against Bath when the two Alagis decided they didn't like Mick Abendanen and just yes. kept going after him? It was almost like that with Namani going after Fraser Dingwall because twice he absolutely ploughed straight through him and it's great to see him charging in off his wing. Guy Porter then thought, I want a bit of that action and also sat him down and, you know, had another fine game and, and Dingwall for me is actually a fantastic defender. So to go through him shows the level of physicality we did. But then it was, it was a bit of a shock to see this quick one-two from Saints. And for me, I thought both of those were quite preventable. I think the first is we... They make a carry, I think, through Jimmy Gopeth. They make good yards through him. And we shouldn't be putting Jimmy in a position where he has to stop a forward. And it means that, effectively, they've got a slight overlap. Guy has to cover across on Furbank. And the ball goes back inside to Hutchinson. And then to Mitchell, really nicely finished. But the issue with that, then, as well, is once you've got a drifting defence having to move across, across really quickly, you have to have your inside defence following just as quickly. Otherwise, it paves the way for that inside offload, which is exactly what happened. Not, not necessarily Charlie Clare's fault. He's never going to keep up with Hutchinson. But we have to make sure, however we do it, we keep our inside defence connected. And that, that was the issue with the first one for me. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think what was maybe a slight disappointment is that we had a warning shot because they had a try disallowed before the first one. Oh, of course they did, where, yeah. Where, and, you know... They got picked up on commentary that Saints are a very good side at identifying the space and manipulating it to get the line break. When you play Saints, what you have to do in defence, you've got to stop them at source. You can't let them make any sort of break when, where the player goes through and they have two hands on the ball and they've got an option left or right. Because in that moment of time, in open space, at the pace they run at, it's deadly. And you saw it with a disallowed try. That, that's what happened. Yes, fair enough, it was a forward pass, but they've managed to get through a line break They've got they're open in the open field and they've got an option left and right with two hands on the ball and they can go either which way and it's almost likely to score. On all those on both the first try and the second try, you've got we had to be a lot tougher and a lot harder at stopping them at source. And to be fair to Saints on that first try that did get given, mm. they identified 
the weak link oh, it's and brilliantly manipulated executed. it perfectly. Yeah. But we just have to be a lot better on ourselves and going, we've just got to be stronger in the tackle at that moment to stop it because ultimately, as soon as they made that break, it was it, it's try time. Yeah, unless unless Cozen is catching it, I suppose. Sorry, sorry, that's cold. Um, but look, the it it was a really well taken try. It's quite funny actually. Just you mentioned this loud try. Did you see Dan Bigger have, get start moaning at, at Cole Dixon because he wasn't allowed to take the quick drop goal? And we want a tempo. Play. We, we want, want tempo. tempo. Yeah, yeah. So many teams want tempo by taking snap drop goals. If I'm a ref and somebody starts frantically trying to take a quick drop goal, I'm telling my TMO to have a look to see what they're so worried about. So oh, I thought that was quite funny. Dan Bigger, as I think Austin Healy called out, the you know Lazarus himself. The amount of times he goes down and and comes back again, cracking try saving tackle on Jimmy. Actually, to be fair, fair to him, one of our good, better attacking moments as well. I thought in the first half. Second try was really disappointing to concede because that was just a bad lazy kick chase. It did creep in a couple of times last season. I always found where you'd have one of our wingers chasing up and then nobody else would be keeping a line with him and it creates a dog leg or it creates space on the outside. Nobody's covering the touchline side. That's exactly what happened here. It was really unseemly and unexpectedly disorganised chase by us, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's not like us. It's not like us to be so disorganised in a big game like that. Um, I think whenever we talk about, I think that tries is a demonstration of the detail that goes into what Tigers do. I mean, everyone just goes, oh, Leicester just kick it. They do kick it, but there is a thought process behind it. And the chase is a big thing. It's not just a kick, but it's the accompanying chase. Without the without, without the chase, the kick is worthless. And that's what made that kick a bit worthless because you didn't chase it very well. And guess what? You shove it down uh, Saints back's throats without a port, without a good chase. They're going to exploit it because they're good enough and clever enough to be able to see it, identify it and, and do something with it. And I think that's a lesson to us in terms of not just, you know, for that game, but, you know, for future games. Obviously, we're playing Saris next week. We've got Harlequins coming up in a few weeks' time. So those are sort of de- that's a level of detail where you've got to be really on top of because you can't give good sides like that a bit of a sniff because they've got talent in the back line to exploit it. And, you know, I'm disappointed by us in, in that, but we learned pretty quickly, put it that way, because we didn't do it again. I think after they scored their second, there potentially was a bit of a fear. Maybe it's just ingrained in us after so many years of mediocrity that we were going to implode and we, you know, the floodgates were going to open and we were going to concede a barrel load of tries because Saints are that good. They can attack really well. And actually, just to pick up one of the points you said, how they identify space. The other thing they do really well is they send waves of runners around that sort of 10 12 channel if you look at it when it either comes to bigger or off mitchell or actually whoever may be at second receiver they've always got about three or four guys all sort of coming in at slightly different angles and it's so hard to mark and pick up and it means it's really hard to get a dominant hit on people as well because you, you you're trying to guess where people are going to be running and you, you can't get a dominant shot it's quite challenging but I, sorry you go no, I was going to say they're they're very much up with Quins in in that Quins have, have a very similar plan where it's a deception by options where you don't know which one you're going to tackle and it's to try and identify they create a soft shoulder by by having so many options in front of them it falls the defence into going it could be anyone they're not dominant in the tackle and it means you create a soft shoulder to get through which is almost how Guy Porter normally that's a regulation tackle for Guy mm. Porter but because he's been manipulated into a different body position. He's not at full strength to put him on the which, ground. Which one's that? In the terms of, I think it was either the um, 
I think it was the first try or it was, so from, it was think... no, it was Gopeth in the first one who gets done by that, and then and then Porter's chasing back on an overlap, so he's trying to cover on the outside channel. But I know exactly what you mean. I, for me, they they almost remind me of Bath when they last got to the Premiership final with George Ford pulling the strings, and it was a little bit more sort of formulated in that every time he had like a triangle of runners outside but it was the same difficulty in trying to pick which one the ball was going to go to it was really challenging but we then stem the flow a little bit we have a few good attacking moments ourselves I think I mentioned earlier Jimmy nearly gets in really nice work I think from Guy and Nemani Nemani was causing them damage all day absolute chaos he was causing down his wing again and um it got into a bit of kick tennis Freddie Stewart obviously he's ended up scoring a hat trick most of them relatively straightforward, we'll say, but um, he looked absolute class. Didn't he? he looked like he hadn't skipped a beat. He was taking everything in the air. And actually, I'll also give a quick shout out. I thought Tommy Freeman as well for, for Northampton also looked like he'd benefited from being away of England. But let's just have a quick chat about Freddie. Um, hat-trick and, a, you know, a ruling the skies again, not a bad way to reintroduce yourself, is it? No, definitely. And, the team looks better and feels better with him being at 15. It, it creates a really strong core and spine to the team because you have all the way then from key positions, you've got your main man back in. And, and, and Chris Ashton has done a pretty good job at 15. I'm not, but it's not his natural position, I don't think. No. And when you've got someone like Freddie Stewart as, as an option at 15, you instantly look better as soon as he plays. You know, he has, I think if, if you look at how he's progressed his game and he just looks so calm and so assured in that. He just looks a natural. When as soon as the ball goes up, you just don't have any fear or worry for he's going to do anything other than just completely catch it and dominate that situation and be so assured in it. And what I really like about it in terms of those tries, you say they're walk-ins and they are, they, they very much are. But he's almost learning the Chris Ashton way of actually mm. going to be in the right place at the right time and actually going, you know what? I need to be there because that's where the ball's going. And well, it, it's if still it goes my way, at, I'm going to get... At the setup, he's still got to provide that width to pull the defence wide to create the space for effectively the uncertainty to be created inside him. So effectively, his marker has to leave him to go in because of uncertainty created further within the line. So I think it... I agree. Whilst I say they're walk-ins, it's like, like any good sort of, you know, Jamie Fardy goal, you know, he, you have to be there. You have to be there to tap the ball in and know the position. And that's really good to see that he's got, uh, I think we talked about it last year, how he was starting to score more tries, which is perhaps another area of the game that we thought he could develop. And uh, yeah, hat-trick in the East Midlands derby at Franklin's Guns isn't too bad. We do get an old score sheet eventually before half-time. Makes it a 14-10 game, which felt like a good result for us. And yeah, Freddie gets his first of those. Lovely bit of interplay, actually, when we're really close to the line to get the ball wide. It's on a penalty advantage. But on that... Were you a bit frustrated that we didn't try and do something a bit like that before we had a penalty advantage? We seemed to be just slugging away metre by metre, weren't really going anywhere. And actually, again, I'll bring it back to a worry that I raised last week, You know, is the mall was very ineffectual again. Um, are we concerned about the mall now? And Do you think we should be a bit more adventurous, close to the line? Uh, on the mall, yes and no. I still... I'm not overly concerned, mainly because it's such a big part of our game. Steve will have in massively high standards on it. 
the one in the first half, I'm pretty sure we fell over our own legs, which is which is a bit unfortunate because we had actually got a nice setup. We just seemed to stumble over backwards. We seem to look. Like, we look can't like even blame Harry sailor. Wells for that because uh, he wasn't on the pitch. Coley always says Harry Wells stamps on everyone's feet at least once a game. That's, that's yeah. I mean, we did look. I've like, heard he's very unpopular for that. <laughs> well, we looked so stumbly. It looked like we have fallen out of a nightclub at two o'clock in the morning, pissed. Um, how we stumbled over. So it's a bit of a shame because we've got a nice setup there. In terms of the interplay, I think what you saw from that first try is actually the benefits of having someone like Jimmy Gopuff in the side. And I know Jimmy took a bit of stick from some quarters for his performance. I thought he actually had a half decent game on, on Saturday. Yeah, I don't think was there was anything really to, was yeah, I didn't think there was anything to, to, to knock him for. To be fair. I thought it was, he had a good game. That, period, that, that movement and loop play involving Jimmy is actually really good bit of skill and a good bit of play because it creates the space out wide because it manipulates the defence a bit of a loop pass and it allows us then to create the overlap for um, Freddie out wide those are sort of plays actually what's why you have sort of Jimmy alongside Freddie at 10 and 12 is to have that dual distribution and allows you to have that sort of again double double pivot and again that way of, a bit of guile to open up the defence am I disappointed if we hadn't done it beforehand yes I do feel there's an element of trying to steady the ship after the, um, mm. the two tries conceded. And I do feel, I think after the 20-minute mark and we're 14-3 down, I suspect maybe one of the messages that was being communicated amongst the team was almost go back to basics. Let's find our way back in the game. Let's go through some phases. We hadn't, that second 10 minutes in the game, we hadn't really got our hands on the ball. Saints had got it and carved us up three times, scoring two tries. I suspect the message had been right. We've, we know we can get them in the scrum. Let's build some phases. Let's build some pressure. And let's almost go use our physicality to, 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 to get at them and to take their legs away. And I think whilst we didn't, we weren't expansive, a lot of what we were doing was beneficial later on in the game because there were some quite long kick exchanges and keeping the ball in play mm. and the, the act of going through the carries. All of that was to suck and take the legs away from Saints so that we could back our fitness over the 80 minutes because we knew that we could out, outwork them and be stronger in that time things. And I suspect that, yes, it it does feel a little bit simplistic that we were using one-out runners. And yes, it's not that expansive. But I suspect half it was part of the game plan was, let's take the legs away, let's keep at them and let's just batter them. And I think that's maybe why we did it. Possibly. And also, I, I would agree that I think another feather in the cap of Ellen Walters is that we look so much fitter than them. Yes, I know they oh, were down 100%. a couple of men. And that was absolutely key to us winning the game was the fact that the pressure never relented from us. Our levels stayed the same whilst theirs dropped off quite significantly. And if I was to say something, quite alarmingly, actually, and massive credit has to go to Allard and the fitness team and the conditioning team about that because I thought that was really impressive. So as we say, I, just on your point as well about having Jimmy at 12, I say I thought he had a, a decent game. I still prefer the option of the way we we set our setup to play with effectively having somebody who does have more of a physical presence there, like Dan Kelly, like Phil Thock and the singer. We've seen that for those sort of pop passes for loops, even for the wider passes. I saw Dan Kelly uh, throw a few last year. We saw Thock and the singer throw a beauty, obviously, um, to put um, uh, to put us in for a try in the second half in that crazy last 10 minutes. These are these are guys who have got the skill sets. Yes, they're not natural fly halves. But they know how to... Fly, throw a nice pass they know how to stand in at first receiver uh but also importantly they offer a direct running presence as well which i th- i think i get the impression that freddie burns sort of seems to act better with i don't think he necessarily needs or wants 
the second distributor, pure distributor outside of me. You want a guy who knows how to pass, sure, but not necessarily um that's that's all he is. So we go into the second half and um we end up with a an exchange uh, of tries. I, I've got to admit, I, the Saints one felt a little bit against the run of play still. I think, you know, I, I know it was at the start, but I thought we started quite well and Coles gets in. It's another almost identical to the first try, actually. They they create a slight overlap and a mismatch. They go through lovely pass back inside and, and Coles finishes well. And he's had a good start to the season in the England squad as well. Uh, but we bounce straight back, don't we? And we see, you know, no, the danger that's created by Namani and Guy. And they've linked up really well so far early doors this season, haven't they? Um, really good finish by Guy. What, what do you make of their partnership? Really good, really good. I think what you're seeing is we're using both players at their best, where I think at times with Namani, I think we're too guilty of just going, I'll just truck it up and use him as a ninth forward in terms of the heavy traffic in the midfield. And to be fair, it works. So they, and I'm not saying it, it's not a bad idea because we've seen him burst through the middle against Exeter and Irish where he just he bespeaks his man um, on a direct charge. And we saw in the first half and in the second half as well, at close quarters in the tight, he gets over the game line still. And he is an extremely good ball carrier in terms of just being able to get a bit of momentum and getting over the game line. But I think what you want to see with likes of Guy and the likes of Namani is that where it's the ball out in front of them, out in space, because they're quick. For all the power that we talk about, their pace is really, really good. And I think you're, what you see with both guys is that the freedom that, that comes with, you can get them into space, get them with two hands on the ball and running at, at people. That's what creates the really carnage. Really hard to stop, the, yeah. And it creates the uh, the chaos theory, which, which is what goes on. You saw it last week with Guy against Newcastle for the first try with that lovely break. He's able to identify the space and he's, he's clever enough to use it and it creates the, the, the break. Nemanja again um, on Saturday, you want him targeting soft shoulders and the best way to get him at soft shoulders in open space where he can actually hit his opposite man. And it makes it a lot harder for the opposite man to put him down because he's, you know, he's awkward, he's big, he's running and he's coming at you like a freight train. It's really hard to, to stop and he can... Nemanja's got a side step on him as well. I think the combination works. I really like it. I know we said last week that we need to probably need to wean ourselves off Nemanja, and I still stand by that. However, when you're using Nemanja like we did on Saturday and against Falcons last week, that is exactly the blueprint of how you want to use him. Using his pace, using his offload ability, and just use him just to cause at maximum chaos to break the defensive line. And it's a really nice combination between the two. And Guy's distribution, I think, is improving as well because there's... Mm. His offloading in contact, is always... actually, is is really good as well. And, and just following up before you say that, the, the the work of both of them in space. Namani, the temptation is because he's so big, isn't it? Let's go and truck him up and coming off his win. And yes, let's use that every now and again, but it's giving him the ball in space. It helps when, I think Matt Proctor makes a crazy decision to fly about the line. And effectively, you know, that's suicide for Saints because it gives Imani 10 metres of open grass in front of him. But that is, as you say, giving him space to build up ahead of steam, actually put on some footwork and change direction as well and size up his support. It just makes him unplayable. Definitely. I think, and a shout out to Guy and his distribution because it's very easy to throw a duff pass. So it puts the ball behind Imani or he has to stop to be able to, to catch it. The ball goes out in front of him each time. So Nemanja's not having to break much of a stride to take the ball onwards. And that, that's that's the skill. You know, you talk about all this. The skill is the pass. 
being able to, to draw your man at exactly the right time and to get the pass in the breadbasket at speed to mind it's not breaking ground. And and so far we've seen that we're, we're doing that really, really well. And, and to be fair, shout out to Matt Smith and to Wiggy who are in charge of those that type of workforce because that that's where last year we fell down a little bit on that execution. So mm. really good to see that improving. Absolutely. And obviously another skill, slightly less subtle or slightly less soft. We said that's a soft skill. A hard skill obviously is the scrum and all the dirty work that goes around and the breakdown of forwards have to put themselves through every game. And no one did that better on the pitch and was rightly rewarded for it than uh, with the Man of the Match award than um, oh, the good old Cola Bear himself, Mr. Dan Cole, who had a sensational game, adding to his fantastic start to the season. He was absolutely ravenous in the scrum. He had a yoga on t- toast, so to speak. He has, he always has to say to front row on toast, but particularly, I think perhaps because the scrum didn't quite go as well as they wanted in the semi-final last time, it felt like he had a point. Yogan is a strong boy, and what was really impressive was, I think Coley alluded to it in his interview afterwards, was they weren't just getting the shove on straight away. He had to fight to get supremacy on that. He basically just kept this pressure on, and he's scrummaging really straight, really clean, until Yogan starts to crack. It's almost like a game of scrummaging chicken, where the, who's going to break first, who's going to blink first, and it, it was always Coley who came out on top on that. Um, if anything, I thought Dixon was say. I thought actually he favoured us with some pretty ropey calls. I think there was a knock on in the line out, which he ignored. I think uh, another couple of things like that. But there was a couple of scrum penalties where they were clearly getting absolutely hosed, which Dixon felt like he deliberately ignored because he knew that he would send him to his pocket sooner. Um, but not just his scrummaging, his work around the park was superb. There was one carry in particular where I think he picks up Salakai Lotto. You know that old thing, tackle the tackler, pretty old school instruction you might get given suitable suitably it was Coley who executed it he thumps Salakai Lotto like in a tackle the ball under the other hand and carries him forward 20 you know not 20 meters about 10 meters or so reminiscent of George North against the Lions against Israel Folau absolutely astonishing bit of play for a tight head prop 35 year old tight head prop to do that on 60 minutes just how good was he and uh you know Eddie's not going to pick him I think we probably make our peace with that but he could do a lot worse couldn't he I think he is generally one of the best tight heads in the league. You know, and that's not Leicester tinted glasses here. That performance on Saturday was a really good all-round performance. He looks great. It looks in incredible shape. Um, his scrummaging was fantastic. I love the three C's in the front row, Cronin, Claire and Cole. Um, I think Cronin is an absolute boon yeah. for Cole. Sh- shout out for Cronin because actually a couple of the penalties did start on his side with him him delivering pressure as well. But I think they look they work as a really nice scrummaging duo in terms of, you know, on Saturday, Cole could go on attack because he knew Cronin's side of the scrum is going to be resolute. It's not going to miss a beat. So therefore it allows Coley to be the one attacking. And other times Cronin could be the one that's forcing the issue because he knows Coley's got his side sewn up. And I, I think Charlie Clare in the middle is a great scrummaging hooker because he's just so big and so strong and it allows either prop either side to go about and do their business, which I think is fantastic. And I think as we go into, when we look ahead to the Saris game at the weekend, I think the three C's again will be a big part of um, our game plan. In terms of Coley, what I like about him is that in some of the games so far, he seems to be more prepared to put his hands on the ball and carry. Now, Coley, is, as we well know, is not someone who wants to carry or has ever shown much enthusiasm for it. But there's quite a few moments where he's more than happy to get his hands on the ball now 
and truck it up and make yards. And he's quite keen. At, uh, there was a couple of times where he almost got close to scoring the try, where he's, he's carrying well towards the try line. And those are sort of he, little he's, things. He's that, actually got a lot better at pick and goes. He's actually probably, I'd say now, one of our preferred pick and go options because he will reliably make a short amount of metres and he protects the ball so well as well. You never see him lose the ball at that short distance in contact. No, absolutely. And I think that's just a little thing that he's added to his game. I think that really takes him up, that's really helped us and really took his game on um, quite a bit. And yeah, that carry in itself is 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 superb. But one where he's tackling the tackler. And shout out to Ollie Cracknell because he it's Ollie Cracknell's initial break that powers through the um the midfield. And I have to say Cracknell looks well, like you're jumping on, on my, my next point, which was to say I thought two subs who had a big impact was Ollie Cracknell and uh, Phil Thocken the singer. Um, well, let's get into him. Yeah, let's get into it. I mean, you just talked about Cracknell. The raw aggression he has particularly with the ball i would say is a real weapon it, it's not almost early jasper visa-esque uh you know just this blood fury snorting his his eyes are wide he just wants to run through people it's so aggressive it's brilliant and for phil thocken a singer i thought it was a really mature performance in the midfield yes we know he's got nice feet and he can take it up. But some of his hands, his confidence and ability to execute and deliver wide passes and try scoring opportunities, I thought was real maturity for what is still a very young player. So I think both of them, you know, have got to be putting up the hands for selection. Phil talking to Singer, I would personally actually have him now at 12 and Guy at 13. I would be looking at that whilst Dan Kelly gets himself back onto the pitch. Just a quick point to that. Interesting to note, Dan Kelly and Andre Pollard both running the def- uh, running as part of the defensive team in the warm-up. So hopefully they're not too far away, but we'll wait and see on that. Obviously, we've been misled by the warm-up jerseys before. But for Cracknell, it's difficult because he's in such a competitive position because I d- you don't drop Martin, you don't drop Levenberg, you don't drop Rafael, don't drop Visa. But what an option to have. Yeah, definitely. I know the finishes tag gets a bit of derision uh, here and there. But Cracknell, to be fair, our whole bench on, on Saturday, the, all eight of them, I think fulfilled the brief of what finish was all about, where the starting 15 applied the pressure and really went to town on, on Saints and really, you know, started to take the legs away. And it was a relentless uh, wave after wave of, of physicality. The eight that came off the bench, especially in the forwards, contributed to that because, again, our physicality, didn't drop off at all. It was again, it was just a relentless wave after wave of, of physicality and toughness, which took Saints' heart and legs away. So Cracknell, I think, is a really good player. He's really angry, like you said, carries really well, and potentially might have scored a try. You know, it, it, that uh, one of the late ones on, I think it was Freddie Stewart's hat trick try. Cracknell makes a break to the line um, and just re- gets a bit unlucky to get pulled down, to be fair. But I really like Cracknell. I think he's a really good player really buys into what Leicester's all about. And I think he's a superb signing. Uh, on Cockney Seager, I think he shows the benefits of coming through the London Irish system and how they play the game, especially in attack, where it is fluent and it's heads up, ball out in front rugby, where you're trying to exploit um, opposition defences. And I think having someone like Phil come in adds to our game because he's he is, we don't have many centres who are openly like that, who are openly a bit able to to um, take it to the opposition. Decent step, really good distribution. And Austin picked up on, on comms. Does the opposition with the eyes. 
you know, he, he sells what he's trying to do with his eye movement and in his passing. So, yeah, really impressed with with him I've, and, and with both sides. I'm really glad we've got them. And both Cronin, Cracknell and Cockney Seager, another set of three Cs, just, just shows you mm. what our recruitment is all about. They're not headline names. No one's gone, oh my God, you've signed them. But actually they've took our game on, each mm. of them in their own little way. They've took our game on and they, they're benef- we're benefiting from it and they've added to us. And another exciting prospect off the bench as well, uh, this young scrum half, Ben Youngs. I thought T did a superb job actually coming off the bench when the game was breaking up. A little bit of a few flashes of the old Ben Youngs there. Should have been put in for a try, but Hanroy got uh, a little bit greedy at one point and I'm sure he'll be getting a bit of stick for that. I'm not going to talk about all the tries individually because actually they were all quite similar. They were all over in that corner, weren't they, as well? So you had Freddie uh, with a couple of nice finishes. Chris Ashton getting in, keeping his tally going, which is good. George, nice reaction following a, what ended up being Alex Mitchell's last involvement. Was it a bit of a legal play by him with a deliberate knock-on? It was really good exploitation of, of space that had been created by the loss of those players. First up, three yellows, all fair and correct, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally think Carl Dixon had a good game. I watched the game back um, on the TV. I thought he got all the big calls right. The only thing I'd yeah. say that he missed was a um, knock-on from Wellesley. Um, you know, it's fairly obvious at the line-out. Oh, the line-out. Uh, yeah, that one was obvious. He also, another one involving Wellesley, who for once must have had his invisibility cape on, was I think we won a penalty when they were down to 13 and Wellesley was over the ball. But he clearly never came back from through the gate. He clearly came in from the side, but he let that go. So I thought there were a couple of smaller decisions that were we were fortunate with. But I agree, I thought those three, he'd warned them very clearly about their persistent defending at the breakdown. So Scramble defended really well, really good desperate defence. And we probably could have scored well before this. I perhaps should have scored well before this, but really good scramble defence by Saints, but they conceded points. Uh, sorry, conceded penalties from it. Carl Dixon kept his word yellow card same with the scrum fortunate not to go before that to be honest and again the Mitchell one was clear as day you just can't knock the ball out of a scrum half's hands now like that so um, for me I thought they were all fair but were you pleased to see how we were doing heads up rugby when we knew we had the space yeah and it's, it's similar to last year at Franklin's Gardens where the last 10 minutes brought on a load of tries um, and I think that does again I think it benefit us fitness is what puts us in that position because we just came on so strong and Saints at that point as soon as Chris Ashton goes over the game's done Saints are just their heart has completely been took away from them they just don't have the legs in them anymore to be able to break us and we're just physically dominant um, the yellow cards are a byproduct of that I think the yellow cards are a byproduct of how relentless we were uh, throughout the game uh, and especially in that second half and I'm pleased that yeah because Saints, ironically, had gone down against uh, London Irish. Had put Irish had gone down to 12 men at, at one point. And there was a startling tweet last week from um, Tommy Vickers, who looks after the Chronicle uh, for Saints. And he said, Saints don't really know what to... Saints are struggling against 12 men. They need to go back to their basics. They're, they're forcing their hand too much. So it's very easy to do that when you go down to a one-man, two-man, or even three-man advantage to do things that you're not supposed to be doing. You, you overthink it. And you start throwing wild passes mm. and stuff like that. Each of those tries in that last 10 minutes are very straightforward in terms of you truck it up the middle, you, draw, you just draw people in. And it's just a case of draw your man, identifying the space, draw your man, make the pass at the right time, mm. not in behind them, not way in, out in front, 
exactly where the person running onto the ball wants it so you can exploit the space mm. and score in the corner. And it's it sounds easy and it sounds basic. And yes, it is. But in those situations, it's very it's very easy to, to, to not do what you're supposed to be doing. So I'm glad that it's the composure, I think, is the key word in that element. It was relentless up front, composure in the backs that got us into those situations. I think that's a really good, mature inside of us. Right, on to the three-word reviews. Elliot, what have you got for me? Well, out of 108, what, which ones did you pick? I mean, it, it is quite tough. So thank you, as always, for, for getting in touch uh, with it. 108 makes it very hard, makes it enjoyable to read, but very hard to pick because they're all fantastic. Um, there's a couple uh, for me to start off with. They're both quite linked into each other. I couldn't really decide between the two, so I got greedy and and and, and chosen. But I think they sum up the afternoon rather well from, from my side. Both Alex C., uh, McDougan, 83, and Victoria Redshaw, uh, both mentioned the scrums. Alex put scrum was immense, 100%. That I definitely agree with. And Victoria put scrum-tastic Saints demolition. Yep, absolutely. Um, we completely demolished them. And I think we we all know that the scrum, we had them on toast for five minutes in. And at that point, we had them. And then for the next 75 minutes, we kept on steamrolling them. And immense pretty good way of describing it i was uh, very impressed to see uh, to see us destroy uh, the opposition number in that regard john whiffin gets in touch with something that i thought was spam at first to be honest to say spread your investment i thought this was something from our junk inbox no what he means is he's saying across the pitch saints effectively their lack of investment probably in their type five particularly obviously now their front row is looking quite stark and shows you can be as pretty as you want behind the scrum but unless you've got that platform there it ain't going to do you much good. They've got a fantastic back row, of course, but they ended up being effectively anonymised by it. They weren't helped by laws going off injured, obviously. Uh, that didn't help. But that lack of foundation, absolutely agree with you there, John. Yeah, definitely. The last one for me, um, it's a bit of a bonus one. Um, it's from Ollie K or O-K-D, um on Twitter, who put sorry, sorry for celebrating. And shout out to Ollie and his mate Nick and the rest of their mates who I was stood next to on the um, on the terrace um, who do listen to the pod. So thank you very much for, for listening in. Um, great set of lads. Uh, it was great celebrating the, the, the tries with, with you and celebrating the win because it was a bit of a, um, um, bit of a surprise for us. We, we did fear the worst. Um, the reason why Ollie's put sorry for celebrating is because... Um, a Saints fan near us, who was very happy to talk to us when um, Saints were winning and was very happy to celebrate and talk about rugby when Saints were winning, got very <laughs> upset when Leicester uh, scored and accused us of over-celebrating, even though we did exactly <laughs> what he did. And got very aggressive with it, which I thought was very um, amazing, amusing, uh, which sort of sums up um, some rugby fans. But there we go. Fantastic. But was shout out to Ollie and Nick and the rest of the, rest of the boys. They were great set of lads. And was it rugby inside line? Afternoon. If uh, I didn't realise rugby inside line was a fifty-five-year-old miserable man, but um, it would make sense. Hey, we learned something. Yeah, <laughs> it would make sense. Uh, but, the, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, the, my last one is from Andy Mann, who said Saints fire drill, which is uh, always a nice reference <laughs> to the. Uh, obviously, there must have been a blaze in the stadium as everyone emerged, seemed to leave in a frantic state of emergency about the 72 minute mark uh very funny that had me chuckling thank you everyone for writing them in sorry we can't read them all out it would be an even longer pod than normal otherwise i 
Okay, press all the buttons because we're going to take the long way up on the elevator whilst we consider the number six shirt for Homegrown Heroes. But before we do that, we're going to announce who gets to partner John Iowa in the engine room. The number five shirt, Elliot, we had a hell of a spread for this. What are the results? Yeah, four tough choices. Ben Kay, Lewis Deacon, Jeff Parlin, Ed Slater. Um, and it was Ben Kay that won it, uh, which reprises the World Cup winning combination and a Tigers combination that served as many very well for many occasions. So it's I hard to argue with, isn't it? When you put it like I, that. I had Lewis Deacon, but when you think about it, Ben Kay and, and Jono, they sort of are that combination that works, doesn't it? I think Can't really argue with it. I should say everyone got decent uh, percentage. Everyone was over fifteen percent, I think, weren't they, on on their votes? But it was just Ben. I think was very um, far ahead. I think he had about fifty uh, by himself, didn't he? Forty-five percent for Benny. Uh, Lewis Deacon got nineteen. Jeff Parlin on twenty, and Ed Slater on sixteen percent. I think. I think as shows that they're all good, good choices. It just shows you it was hard. It's hard to pick because all of them run their own little way. Deserved it. 405 votes. So again, thank you for everyone for, for getting in touch and interacting with it. Um, clearly, Ben K was a de- deserved winner. It was a big enough poll to, mm. to, to do it. So, But now we move on to the sixth jersey. Yes, uh, the sixth jersey. And it's an interesting one because we've racked our brains on this. And it's another one where we seem to have long-standing incumbents of the shirt, which means that there's not always a huge amount of people to select from them. We've had to get our good friend SP Keen involved with some stats to determine whether certain players are, whether they are or are not qualified for that jersey. Martin Corrie is not qualified to be the number six because he was the number eight. That was his overwhelming position. It was number eight. So we're not going to look at him as a blindside flanker. We are going to look at Lewis Moody because he basically spent half his time playing open side, half the time blindside. So he's there to be considered a blindside flanker and the other outstanding nomination of course is tom croft um who's just the biggest freak of an athlete i think i've seen on a rugby pitch absolutely incredible i think that we do have some sort of respectful nods don't we to give but i think we're going to stick with those two yeah the respectful nods are to be fair guys who we featured a bit in the um cult corner um 15 the likes of brett deacon and Will Johnson. So those boys are terrific players, terrific Tiger stalwarts, and we bigged them up. Paul, when we Paul got Gustard to, as well. Paul Gustard as well. We we bigged them up when it got to um, Colt Corner. I think that that was fifteen was was better suited to what they were about. Quality players who didn't get the headlines, but they deserved, and that was an opportunity for them just to, to be bigged up by us. This is for effectively, you know, the big dogs. Um, effectively, Croft and Moody is. An unbelievable choice. I mean, both Very of difficult. them Tigers legends. Both Oakham boys, I believe. I both came through Oakham schools. That's right. Um, I believe. Crofty, absolute animal. That try against Quinns, we all know about, which was so, just an incredible. So I, was, I tell you, I saw, I saw him at a wedding, and we got we got quite pissed. He split his pants, by the way, because I, I I challenged him to a slut drop contest. Um, that was after doing the worm, and he split his pants um, right down the bum, um, and he thought that was very funny. He was sort of doing the Ace Ventura, you know, when he starts talking out of his bum. Uh, but <laughs> but anyway, the long story we need short, a podcast on we, this. Yeah. We need a podcast on this wedding. He ain't gonna he ain't gonna thank me for this. He, but he did 
tell me when he was quite pissed. I joked to him and said, how many times do you watch that, the replay of that try? And he goes, no, nah, not really too often, to be honest, mate. Only twice a day, just to get me out of bed in the morning if I'm feeling a bit stiff. Um, I didn't ask him what he meant by that because the conversation had already taken quite a dark turn. But um, it was an amazing try and one that I just remember watching. I think I was at the Twickenham Sevens and I was, I was quite pissed in a bar. I remember watching it thinking... Well, hopefully we can recycle this. And he put the hammer down and he just, oh, he's gone. I f- you know, he, he didn't get the ball in space all that often, but when he did, Jesus, what a, what a player. There's also another try at the start of his career against Ospreys in the EDF Energy Cup yeah. in 2007. The final, wasn't it? It was. And I was, I was there and I do remember, Ed, I think it was Eddie Butler on the commentary, the late, great Eddie Butler, said the immortal words of scoring it. He just went, Croft is sharp. And that's what he was. He was a winger playing in the sixth jersey. Um, and he was a terrific player. And it's a shame injuries um, brought his career to an end, really. Moody is the oh, just, just very animal. quickly on Crofty, I, I agree on the injury point. I think it's the only thing potentially holding him back on this poll was that he could have had even more appearances and even more international caps. As it was, he still seemed to find his way to be fit for Lions tours, which I always quite enjoyed. I, I, I equated him to sort of Michael Bublé you don't hear about for 11 months of the year and then at Christmas comes creeping out of the closet sometimes I remember before the Australia tour he'd been injured for about two two straight years got himself in unbelievable form in the lead up to the Lions and then went and played a key part of that series win in 2013 so yeah what a player though what a player but sorry let's go and eulogise about Moody another one that injuries um, really got to as well and I think it just shows you what it's like playing in the back row it's a tough tough old gig um, especially at, especially at Leicester, Mudos, what an unbelievable animal he was! One of the bravest slash stupidest players you're ever likely going to see uh, on a rugby player. Martin Castro Giovanni labelled him when he got made captain. Castro labelled him the stupidest captain in the history of Leicester Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you want to put your head in at the wrong wrong point at the wrong time, he put Moody his was face. The man. He put his face where I wouldn't put a litter grabber. You know, like it was just unbelievable bravery slash lack of self-awareness. That was both his biggest skill set and also his biggest risk, I suppose. And I think with Moody, there's a, there's a decent player there as well. It, it all, everyone seems to go, oh, he's, he was just a, 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 a an animal around the pitch. No, no, no. no, there was a player in there, a real good player. And you don't play as long as he did at the top level without being a decent player. One of Tiger's all-time um, best players, and quite rightly is in the, the mix for this, won so much, came through the academy, you know, went on to higher honours. Just a terrific, Cup. yeah, massive player for England, massive player for Leicester, led by example, brave, committed, hard-nosed, exactly the sort it's of player everything that Leicester was about. Exactly. Yeah everything that Leicester was about and you say you know there was a decent player there I think I think with respect I think that's underselling it I thought he was phenomenal I mean he wasn't you know he wasn't as athletically gifted as Tom Croft but he was quick and I remember seeing him score a try at home I think uh, no hat trick I beg your pardon at home against Bourguin I think it was and one of them involved him hammering it down the wing and he could shift he could keep up with most centres he was a quick guy and he was much bigger than you give you understood as well. He was relentlessly physical in contact, so aggressive, just hard to put down. Um, he was a sensational player, one of my all-time favourites to watch for Tigers because it was absolutely everything. 
you could absolutely everything into every game and that's that's exactly what you wanted yeah i mean i i really liked watching moody i was gutted when he went to bath um not really his decision. I think that's a that was Tiger's. So that's uh, the Tiger's retirement home at the time, wasn't it? I think we sent them hip kiss and bestie as well, and none of, none of them worked. But no refunds. Well, sold a scene, boys. Sold a scene. I think it's a shame how Leicester treated Moody um, in the end. I think we did a job on him, and it was a bit of a shame. I think that was a time when Leicester could be could afford to be ruthless with its players, but it still leaves a bit of a, a sour taste in the mouth. Look, Tom Croft, Lewis Moody, legends, giants of the of this club quite rightly they're in the mix for this they're both terrific players I genuinely can't call this one I, mean, I know we say every week this one is very, very this is a coin it is, this is a, coin this is a flip of a coin it is if I had to put you on the spot who are you going with probably Moody but if you ask me tomorrow it's Croft I'd go Moody because he history and winning winning stuff what about you I'm leaning 51% towards Moody as well. But then every now and again, I just think of some of the incredible stuff Crofty did in a Tiger shirt. And then you kind of, you're kind you back to square one again. So anyway, we'll do the usual way. We will put it up on a Twitter poll. Make sure you vote. Get as many votes in as possible. And we'll announce the results next week. Okay, I'm just going to try and keep my cool about me now. But as I said earlier, uh, sod it. No, we're fucking excited. We've got we've got the big man. We've got Toulouse Bayonu. T is joining us all the way from his, uh, I see, Chateau in France at the moment. <laughs> Toulouse, what an honour to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me on. Um, I was a bit nervous getting on there, but I'm looking forward to answering questions as honestly and openly as I can. <laughs> I like this, uh, the nervousness. Elliot's Jeremy Paxman style hard interviewing style. Your reputation's obviously crossed the channel, mate, now, Elliot. Not at all. Not at all. I Basically, I'm here to lob some easy pies up for you to uh, knock them out of the park, T. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> also, we're going to start off with a big congratulations because you, you probably won't know this, but we I run this feature sort of through, throughout the year. We started off with like what was a, a cult corner. Very, be very careful how we spell that. C-U-L-T, not the other one. That's a different feature we're running. But um, and then following that, we ran effectively a, a feature called the imports, wasn't it? Elliot's imports, and it was basically t- best ever Tigers overseas signings fifteen, and we voted for it. All the listeners and fans voted for every position, and uh, you were voted into the back line of the Tigers all time sort of overseas signings fifteen on on the wing. I'm afraid to so say we, we 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 shoved you out there. If, I don't know if that's still your favourite position, but you were in the back line with. Julian Dupuy, Joel Stransky uh, at the halfback, then in centres, Pat Howard and Sarah Rambeni, Alex Torlaki and you on the wings and Jordan Murphy at fullback. If everyone was in their prime, would you fancy yourself in that back line? I'll just be happy to be the water boy, to be honest. Like, <laughs> imagine, like, you know, I'll just be happy to be in the same sheets of those boys. Like, those guys are legends, you know, and, like, to be voted in, like, I just feel so undeserving, you know, like, Guys like Alex and Jordy, like I would love to have played with uh, Jordy in his prime, or like you know any of those players that, that you've talked about, you know, because you only get to hear, uh, you know, with YouTube and now you can't really find like highlights footage on 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 some of those guys played, you know. So like to to only hear them, you know, guys in the stands talk about Pat Howard and when Julian Dupree doing his crazy three sixties, like imagine like <laughs> you know playing a game like, alongside of those guys, like. Uh, 
I think I'll be so fortunate um, even to be named in there by fans. Like, I, I really appreciate that. And um, what an opportunity that would be, you know, like, that'd be awesome. Well, we're, we're currently doing the, the homegrown, sort of the UK version of, of that feature. And the idea is at the end, we're going to sort of put them up together and see who it's going to be. So we'll let you know who your opposite number is and you can talk trash to them later on, I think. Yeah, for sure. I would do <laughs> <laughs> Only because I've got Alex Tuilangi on my side. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> we did quite like the idea of having Sarah and Alex in the same side and then and then you and Geordie. We thought that's, that's a bit dangerous. Um, but because you're the first guy to come on the podcast, we said that whoever is the first to come on the podcast is, is going to captain it. So you might be humble, mate, but you're the captain. So, <laughs> so you need to order them around a bit as well. Oh, hell no. I definitely won't be able to. I wouldn't be talking back to any of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's the, the next question that feeds off that, um, T, is that in that 15, you were voted in a, a, as a winger. At Tigers, you saw you both on the wing and at fullback. Did you have a preference yourself about where you played at all or where you saw your, your best position being? Not really, to be honest. Um, I just wanted to be on the field, especially at home. Um when I played at home, I had such a big ego. Like, as soon as I crossed those white lines, I was untouchable at Welford Road. Like, I didn't care who you were. I was going to, like, run around you. I was going to step you. I was going to embarrass you. And that was my thought. Like, I just wanted to be, you know, unless it was, like, freezing. But most of the times, like, I wanted to be playing in Welford Road. Like, I still miss it. Like, I, the confidence boost that I had playing in front of the crowds there was, like, I hope you could see it the way that I played, like the way I expressed myself and the way that I had sure to man and attack. Like I just loved entertaining and, and giving back to the crowd. So to me, it didn't matter. Probably not anywhere in the front row, but yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can leave leave Coley to do his thing and then you can do yours. Um, but I think we speak for all fans saying that you, you followed in a tradition where like Leicester is always quite a hard-nosed team. But it would always usually have one player who would get everyone up on their feet. He, you know, it used to be Geordie in his in his pomp, uh, Alex Tuolangi, uh, and then it was very much yourself. Uh, absolutely, one of our favourite ever players to watch, man. It was. Uh, we, we're going to get onto your favourite tries um, later, but I think for me that one against Worcester, <laughs> where you got tackled twice, I think he went through three guys stepping them. One guy thought he'd lined you up, then he you bounced off him. Through a get another gap and then rounded the the fullback. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was it was pretty special. <laughs> we um, tell us a little bit about when you came to Leicester. It was um, it, certainly in the northern hemisphere. I mean, this in the most respectful way. Perhaps first people saw of you a lot was it was in the World Cup, and even then, people, you know, there's a lot going on in the World Cup and. Obviously, it was after then that you came and joined Tigers. Can you tell us a little bit about your, your journey to Leicester? Yeah, so, yeah, uh, I was in the Tonga team, um, obviously in the World Cup, and I came uh, with Tonga. Um, we played the last game against the All Blacks. We got pumped, and then I was like, right, let's get on the piss. So I was, like, drinking heavily because we were flying back business class and, like, for a lot of us, it was the first time, and like we were pushing all the buttons, like reclining the seats, ordering <laughs> peanuts, and I like, drinking all the gin and top, everything, you know. And then we got back to, I got back to my house back in New Zealand, and I just, I just didn't have any office on the table. I had a few interests from Sale, Saracens, um, Perth, but it, none of them were just, you know, they were just interests. Um, and then Lester obviously came through with an offer, you know, just to come in and like a 
think it was like six month trial type thing. And then when I got here, I didn't know like, I didn't know anyone in the Northern Hemisphere. Like we didn't like Northern Hemisphere rugby. We didn't watch it. Like you know, it was like scrum for pens, and you guys are winning by like nine six. He was like, "Hardly any tries scored." <laughs> it's a classic. What are you on about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then um, next thing you know, um, I was back on the plane. So I arrived back in New Zealand maybe the Monday, and then I hadn't unpacked. I was still um, pissed and hungover. Got back on the plane that Friday, back in coming to Leicester with That's uh, with John O'Kiddo. Oh yeah, yeah. So we were both driving, and John O'Kiddo uh, was a bit of a, a rugby fan. Like he knew all every he knew everyone in the Leicester. He's like, oh, from um, like EA Sports rugby game, wasn't it? Because yeah, he knew, yeah, that's how he knew everyone. Yeah, yeah, he had to say he knew everyone. He's like talking about uh, guys like Tom Croft, Ben Youngs, and. I was like, I actually, honestly, without like no disrespect, I don't know who they were. Like for me, it was guys like uh, you know Jimmy Cow and Dan Carter. Like we were, we were all all blacks, like proper one-eyed New Zealanders, you know. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, when I got to um, to Leicester, uh, I walked in and then like I just didn't know. Like I just had no idea what I was doing. You know, I didn't realize how. Um, special the place where I didn't realize the history or any of that stuff, you know. And I was quite naive to be honest, like coming in here and my first day of training, I was proper like I was shit. I couldn't even catch a cold. Like you know, I was just dropping the balls everywhere. And I remember Greg Bateman and that whispering, going, "Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> He's so shit." <laughs> um. Yeah, then like two weeks in, I was named to start at fullback, and that's the first game I played fullback in a very long time. Uh, and I was against. Uh, was it Exeter away? Yeah, because that was a game I went to. Having I'd only recently moved to the southwest, yeah, and I remember my work colleagues. Uh, husband um, played for Exeter and she had some tickets. He said, "Oh, nobody wants to go and see Leicester play; they're boring." So yeah. I took them and I went down on my Todd. Drove down and I saw your name there and I was like, oh, this is this trialist guy. I wonder if he's any good. And I do remember the first thing I saw with you was you went on one of these these runs where you had about a two meter wide channel and you bounced past <laughs> about four guys. I was like, I remember coming back and like I was telling my, my old man, I was like, oh, this guy's shit hot. You need to keep an eye on him. And um, <laughs> was it like a real learning experience? And like the, not just obviously the conditions and everything like that, but also like I suppose space was a little bit harder to come by. Um. Honestly, I was just so like naive to the whole thing. Like, I turned up to the UK. Um, I think not knowing anyone helped me. Like, I just wanted to let my rugby do the talking. Uh, being played at fullback, I, I didn't know how to kick. Uh, I was trying to ask Tady, and then it was like, mate, just, just run. Like, so I did what I knew best. And then after the first 20 minutes, I was fucked. <laughs> you know, I was like, doing so much running. So I was like, even in that game, I shanked one of the kicks, and I think it almost hit one of the forwards. But um, yeah, having not like I was sort of the unknown as well. Like no one really knew who I was, so I didn't really know who the who the top dogs were or who the big boys were, and you know, and Exeter and stuff. So that helped with me being fearless uh, when I when I went to play. So ever since I played at fullback, then I just got sort of stuck there and, and wing. Uh, I had a lot of fun to be honest. <laughs> you mentioned obviously that when you came into Tigers, you didn't. You weren't aware of the history and all that came with it. How was that as, as a, a sort of learning experience to sort of get into what 
you know, you're following in the footsteps of what's gone before at Leicester. And secondly, did that put you under pressure at all? Or was that something that you relished as an opportunity to, you know, add your name into that sort of roster as your, as your own mark? Yeah. Um, when I was, every morning you, when you come to Leicester, you go to the kit room and uh, you get your kit. Um, and the old kit man, Clive, he used to have this door and under the door had all the legends on those doors. It was guys like, um, Aaron Major, Geordie Murphy, uh, Scott Hamilton, you know, all of those guys on those doors. And I was like, man, these guys were like unreal players. And I was like, and then actually Aaron Major told me to read read the book. Um, it was like the Tigers book that was coming out. So I just had a glimpse through it. And I learned about um, why the number 502 was so important. And it's talking about Dave Matthews playing with those games. And even... Um, Drivers and taxi drivers around Leicester, they would say, you know, Leicester was is the main United of um, of the Premiership, and I, I, I was like, why? And then he said, man, they used to win everything, they used to dominate, and you know, I was coming through that time where they were sort of going through a rough period, and then you learn things like uh, the rivalry between Saints and and Tigers, and then you go from there between Tigers and Bath, and then Tigers and Wasps, and you're just like. Wow, this is crazy, you know. And you just, you just get, um, you start buying into it, you know. You start feeling like, you know, I'm a proper skin too, you know. Like I want to be all these guys, you know. Like, um, and then you talk about Harnikin ship rugby, you know, like, um, being undefeated, like you know, you've only out of the thirty-three Harnikin Cup games, you've only lost three games. And then when you hear stuff like that, you're like, man, I really want to add to this, you know. I really want to, I really want to win these trophies. I want to be you know, be one of the greats here at Leicester. So, if anything, it just made me more excited, to be honest. And it made playing in front of, um, in front of Welford Road, I didn't want to take it for granted. If you mm. know what I mean, like I was so grateful every time I got out there. I just wanted to put my best foot forward. You know, I wanted to I leave the jersey in a in a good place. You know, it sounds like you kind of like hit a sweet spot because. If you'd have been aware of all of that before, you could come in and you could be like, oh, you know, like, I've got all this pressure on me and mm. I, I, I'll be in, you know, it's going to be really difficult to go out and perform and it's going to be a negative effect. But instead, it, it sounds like you've come in almost, obviously not by accident, but but almost you've ended up in a place where perhaps you didn't expect. You're like, this is what an exciting chance. And that that's really exciting. And like you say, it does come through in how, how you played. And you did play, they say, was a time of, I suppose, kind of where, I thought we had some really good players in your time as well. Sometimes it didn't always click, but there were some great memories, obviously, in that time as well. Do you, do you have any particularly favourite uh, favourite memories and, and dare I say it, favourite teammates? I always remember you and Lockie McCaffrey were, uh, were a deadly duo for a while as well. <laughs> for me, coming to Leicester was like a fresh uh, a start for me because I was, in, I was in a Southern Hemisphere and like nothing sort of went my way. I had a lot of injuries and then... You know, we played the Crusaders, went down to the Highlanders, you know, like just nothing went my way. So I was like, oh. I was sort of stuck in a rut, you know. So I went away with Tonga in the World Cup. And then when I was with Tonga, it just allowed me to uh, express myself a little bit more. And then when when I got to the normal team, to the, you know, to UK, I was like, this is perfect. Like, no one knows who I am, you know. Like, it was just a fresh start for me and that's how I took it, you know. Like, um 
I wanted to not leave any stones unturned in the way that I played, in the way that I prepped. Um, so I just literally threw myself um, all in, even into her, the list away, uh, going into the list of football, watching all of that. I had some proper skins at, at the club as well. <laughs> that was really funny, you know. So, um, yeah, it was really cool. And you asking about my mates. Um, my first year, I stayed with John Okoto, obviously, because we were the new guys coming in. My second year, I was in a massive flat with Alice Genge, Jack Roberts, Peter Benson, Lockie McCaffrey. Yeah, myself. And that was crazy times. Yeah, we've we've uh, we've seen like Oz pictures floating around on WhatsApp from the house. Like, do you have any sort of favourite um favorite times? Obviously, we had um Sam Harrison on a little while ago, and he always says the speaks in glowing terms. We'll put it before we hit record about some of the socials that you guys had during, particularly I think perhaps during during the major time uh, years as well. I think was was really positive, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean. Oh, those social times are unreal. You know, like we used to go to, I forgot, it's like an underground bar where they just had taps and you just played up. I think it's called taps. <laughs> we need to tell us where this is immediately, mate. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, so you'd, you'd go under, right? And you just go hard on the taps and then that's it, you know? But Leicester was a fun place to have socials because, you know, they were a rugby town through and through, you know? And um, we were never really. Um, much of a da- any dangers or anything like that, but during that period, like I've, I look back now. I played with some, like we had some really good, good players, some like class players, and even just before I left, the guys like George Ford coming in, it was just like mm. I learned so much of uh, all those guys, you know. And part of the way I played, I didn't want to, um, you know, I just wanted to make stuff happen because I was around those guys. They gave me confidence. You know, playing alongside guys like uh, Manu, uh, Benny, you know, Tom Youngs. When I see those guys, I was like, man, these guys are... See how passionate they were about the team? You know, like, uh, their stuff rubs off on you. And I, I learned so much of, of those guys. Obviously, we've, we're recording this a couple of days after a, a great win over Northampton at Franklin's Gardens. Obviously, you played in a few East Midlands derbies yourself. Can you remember sort of the feelings about it, obviously from someone who's so new into Northern Hemisphere rugby and not aware of what a Northampton Leicester game means. Have you got any sort of favourite moments from those particular fixtures? Was there a standout sort of fixture from the ones that you played that you enjoyed the most? Just beating them, to be honest. No matter, like, any, all of them were my favourites. I hated losing, but beating them was just, you know, like, I think you don't realise how much hate some of the boys have. You know, you just, like immediately uh, get ingrained into you that, you know, like this is a massive game. If you win this game, that's your season, like your season done. Do you know what I mean? If you lose, like nobody, you don't want to be a part of that team that lost in all heaven's sakes, you know? So I remember when we had those um, green stripes, do you remember those green uh, like fluoro type jerseys? I think it was 2015 or 2016, 17. We played, it was Major's, Aaron Major's last game. Oh, it's like the yellowy green fluorescent yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, the traffic warden. Yeah, Tra- yeah that's the one. <laughs> anyway, so that was, a, that was a cool game because obviously it was uh, Major's last game and uh, we managed to beat them at home as well. So 
But yeah, I mean, one of my first games was against them at home and Freddie or Owen Williams, I think it was, kicked the penalty and we beat them at home. But it just it just felt like international rugby, you know, like it was that physical. Um, there's always someone bound to get binned or red carded, you know, like it was that, you know, it was just crazy. What would you say, um, going off that, I mean, that sounded like they're some of your favourite memories. Do you have any particular on-field favourite memories that stick out? Any particular tries at all that that, that stick in your head? Um, actually, one of my favourite tries goes to two of them is when we played Munster away. So we played Munster away and um, Ben Young scores this outrageous. Oh, the, the, he sort of like slaloms through you as yeah. well, doesn't he? he he's doing an impression of you, he told me. When <laughs> anyway, and like I tackled him so hard. That's probably one of the best tackles I've ever made. I, I was tackling Ben Young's. And I remember like just coming away from that. And then the other try was Nicky Gonover in the same game. Okay, Ben Young's frozen. There's absolute dead duck. And Nicky catches it in the five-metre line and just dances his way. And I was just like, Oh my goodness! And like <laughs> when we when we got back to Leicester, I just didn't realize how big of an occasion that was, you know, to be to beat Munster in in Toman Park, you know, because that was one of the hardest games we've ever played to date. You know, like they all talk about the the sixteenth man. Like you have, you only hear that sort of stuff on this side of the world, but you don't get to experience how much um, tradition and rivalry goes into these games. You know, like it's, it's it's hard. Like I can't explain. Like you, you only have just experience, or you know, I just felt so privileged that I got to play in those games. <clears throat> Looking at your time at Leicester, it was almost almost goes in two halves. Almost where the first half was really good, and there was just a couple of near misses, and then the second half things didn't go quite um, the club's way, and and different things happened. When you look at your time overall, is it when you think of those sort of those times? Do you ever put your finger down on why it didn't quite click as maybe why you thought it would do? Or um... Yeah, I think for me it was like consistency. Um, like we had, like I felt like we were just, we were doing well with Major and then next thing you know, chop and change, you know? And then obviously Matt O'Connor would come in and he had a type of player that he wanted. So we would get rid of like 15 or 20 players. Mm. And for a team that's trying to, rebuild and trying to find its core identity like you can't have that you know you look at a team like uh saris and exeter they've had those players for a long long time they've had yeah. a strong core group and they had an ident- identity of where what they wanted to do and who they wanted to you know become you know and i just felt like um during those times we couldn't quite get that because there were a lot of changes obviously matt o'connor had to leave with then geordie come in and obviously, Geordie's got his own type of um, philosophy or theory of how he wanted to play, you know. So some players didn't fit into that, some did, you know. So looking back, there was just so many changes. You know? it, we we <laughs> always are very strong advocates of not knowing, well, not agreeing with Major not staying. We, we mm-hmm. thought completely what you say, completely different coaching philosophies as well. Yeah. And like you say, just that consistency, particularly as a back three player. Well, rugby's got partnerships all over the field. You need to, yeah. you've got so many connections as a fullback, don't you? Yeah. But it's just like, um, you know, different weeks, obviously some, we just couldn't get it humming. And the only time we got it humming was when I remember we played Saracens away. Now we finally started to 
uh, build something good. You know, we're winning uh, with Beach Harrison and then, you know, the boys started feeling good and then someone have a massive injury that we needed, you know. So it just felt like, you know, you look at the season that Leicester had now, they had fully fit guys, you know, that lasted for a very long time. Do you know what I mean? If you look back, like, um, we had key players that were out, you know, at key moments, you know, that we needed at the time, you know, and guys going on internationals and things like, but going back to my point, we just didn't have um, a strong core group, you know, that lasted for more than two years or two or three years, you know, which is really important if you want to build or be successful. It takes <clears throat> maybe two to three years or so of building you know, of finding out what players are made of, you know, and adjusting to what the coaches want you to, to do. So I felt like that's what our biggest problem was. We, we just struggled to um, maintain consistency. Looking back, I'm going to mention the awkward point. We're not going to talk about it particularly, mm. but obviously when the pandemic hit and everything changed and and obviously you're one of the few that um that that left at that time it meant that you left perhaps in circumstances which wouldn't you would never have wanted to do you still despite that do you still look back at, at Leicester as uh with fondness do you still look back at it as a club that you you still look out for and and you still got good memories of absolutely I mean like I have no um What's the word? I don't have no I have no bad feeling towards Leicester or at all. Like for me, they had to do work. You know, at the end of the day, they were a business and they were trying to survive through this pandemic. <clears throat> I don't I think it's hard for people to understand that. Um, you know, people were abusing me saying there's a lot of those people losing jobs and stuff as well. But um, you know, my relationship with Tigers, you know, that's a special place for me. So, like, I'm always watching out for them. I'm always in contact with guys like Genji and stuff like that and seeing how they're doing. Um, but, yeah, I've still got my house stuff in there. My daughter was born there. So it felt weird. Like, I drove there in July. I was driving around the place, and it just felt like, you know, that feeling when you go home, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, like, here's my old chicken shop. There's... Everything's the same, but a bit different as well. 100%. Oh, they took down the KFC on their roundabout, you know, where the, near the train station, you know, the big roundabout with all the um, shops. Yeah, yeah. Some, I think they, oh, you know, what, what are the major Lund- uh, Leicester landmarks you picked out there? Anyway. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it just felt like, you know, like um, if I had, I was actually really nervous driving because I felt like uh, I was going to a game. You know, driving past Rockford Road, I was like, man, I used to carve up at that stadium. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but no, I've, I've, I've got no bad feelings whatsoever. I've only got positive things to say about um, Leicester and to see them do well. You know, I was happy for for guys like Coley, Ben Youngs, like Genji, Freddie Burns, like even guys like Freddie Stewart and Jacqueline Portfleet, like, you know, those guys that have come up through the system. Um, I was just so happy. Harry Wells, you know, Tommy Raphael. Um, yeah, I couldn't, I was, yeah, I was just so happy for those guys to, to get through and, and get a title. It's interesting you mentioned, obviously, Freddie Stewart, because that brings me into the, the next question is obviously he's now took over the 15 shirts uh, after yourself. Firstly, did you have a feel feel for when you saw him training that you'd got 
you know, he was a serious player coming through. And secondly, how do you make of him going now he's now he's fully fledged in the 15 shirt? I mean, <clears throat> when Freddie first started coming through, I was like, man, this guy's unreal. You know, like, <clears throat> who's this lanky, skinny kid? You know, unreal, like, unreal another high ball. You know, he he's just, for me, I think he's the second best to Israel Folau. Like, if Freddie went to a rugby league or... AFL, like, he, do you know what I mean? Like, that skill set is, I was associate under the high ball, but him, watching him do that. And I didn't really um, put too much pressure on him. Like, I just helped out wherever I can. I just wanted to let him be him. Like, there's no point. Because that's the way Geordie Murphy and Matthew Tate helped me out. They were just like, mate, like, just play your natural game, be confident, you know? And so when, he, when those guys, experienced guys, told me, pass those messages on to me, like it made me feel more at ease, you know, I didn't have to try and become something else. You know, with Freddie, he was natural. And to see him, like he was throwing unreal offloads. I remember his very first game, I think it was like an A-League one or whatever, he came on as, as full, uh, he started at fullback. And I was just like, when a, when a player has time in his hands, you know, like that's, a, that's something special. And he has like loads of time in his hands. You know, and to see him do well, it's like, oh, well, like, that's what we expected of him, you know, <laughs> and it's so good to see him. Like, I remember playing against him with the England game, you know, it was like, to see him there, like, it was it was just awesome, like, to see young guys like that come through. And you've also got to know that he's come through the academy ranks as well, you know, so he, he's worked really hard. He's a proper skin as well coming through, you know, he's, to see him go through those early mornings and Jack, you know, it's, um, I'm just happy to be honest. Like I'm, I'm really, really happy for him to see him do well, and and he's a really good kid. I bet he was slightly less happy to see you running at him, turning him inside out uh, at Twickenham. To be honest, <laughs> I bet, I bet there was a little part of you that quite enjoyed that. Ah, <laughs> uh, just not really. I, I wish there was someone else from Northampton, <laughs> like that, you know, like because you know, Freddie's such a nice guy, you know, and I was like. Oh man, like why does it have to be Freddie? You know, like he's he's a good kid. You know? <laughs> I, I've just actually thought of what my other favourite try that that you scored was at Twickenham, but it was against Bath. I think it was. Was it yes, like it, you took in the you, big match? Yeah, that's it. Out of nowhere, sort of. Did you? Was it a chip and chase, and then you ran, went round the last guy? Oh, I think uh, yeah, I kicked it off my knee or something like that. Very very nice. Um, <laughs> let, let's let's turn it back onto to you and. Um, obviously your experiences after you left Tigers, you, you went to, you know, I suppose our sister club, you know, very similar, um, Stade Francais. Um, we were talking before we hit record about who would look good in the, um, in the sort of the garish pink kits. You look very good in it. Um, we, we agreed Dan Cole would also suit that sort of, that sort of look pretty strongly, but how's your time been in France? Have you enjoyed it? It's obviously a completely different change, but what a great experience, I, I suspect. <laughs> Yeah, it's been um, a bit of a roller coaster for me. The first year I did really well. Second year, um, what people don't realise is they have the 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 GIF rule here, so you have to balance out a certain amount of uh, foreigners and and French numbers throughout the season. You know, so that meant that I didn't play as much, plus injuries as well. But it's weird because um. Paris, Stade Francais have the same history as Leicester in a way. You know, they were back in the days, they were like unreal, you know, <laughs> they were 
And at the moment, we're sort of going through um, the same sort of thing where Tigers went through, you know, trying to find like, our identity. We've got loads of young players come through. But it's, it's, it's so different. Uh, Paris, obviously, it's a bigger city than, than Leicester and the clock tower and the after tower, you know, it's a massive difference. What you want about is basically the same thing. Both, I know, both I know. famous yeah, I know, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You've got these nice little sort of like cafes by the Eiffel Tower. We've got Greg's by the clock tower. Yeah, it's basically I the same. Greg's. I miss the old sausage roll. <laughs> and OB used to be a little Greg's. I don't know if it's still there. We used to pull up there. Get like three or four sausage rolls and bang them before training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and no one would ever know until and no one ever knows. <laughs> what are those crumbs in your beard, T? I uh, know, no, or like in the car, you know, like just trying to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I used to, I really miss all those little, um, my little go to shops, you know, Tiger Roll, you know, in the back of Tiger. Yeah. Oh, I miss that place. <laughs> Yeah, say I obviously I'm not in Paris. I'm 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 near Bristol now. So it's not quite exotic. I know what you mean though. Coming back and each time, yeah. it's so nearly the same, but just a little bit different, and it I makes know, you really happy yeah. and sad at the same time. Yeah, so I mean, they're just massive big differences, you know. And the French have a different way of, you know, their lifestyle is so much different. Um, there's no pubs here. When I was living in uh, in Leicester, I used to have a little local pub. You know, that was awesome. Like some characters in there, you just can't get that here and in Paris, you know, so those are the little things that I, I miss about um, uh, being back in, in Leicester. But at the moment, I'm injured. I'm out for a very long time. I've I ruptured my ACL and MCL. So um, they were really gutted for me, to be honest. But I just, for me, I was like, oh, that's all part of it. Um, I get to spend a bit more time with my, my wife and my daughter here in Paris. So and it's given me time to sort of um, have a look around France. So weekends, I get the weekends off, so um, I get to do more things, you know, and it's it's been quite refreshing on the body and, and the mental health as well. I was going to say, how is the recovery going? Is it, it, I know it's obviously tough and it's the mental side of it. It's, it's tough being away and, and so on and so forth. How in, in the best possible way, I hope the recovery is going, going well and it, you are enjoying like you say, being out of having a bit of time, like you say, back to yourself and getting to do other things. Yeah, I I, I appreciate um, like the sport that I do. You know, like I'm so so lucky and privileged <clears throat> uh, to be playing rugby and have it as a job as well. You know, like, um, but I am appreciate like taking my daughter to school or picking her up from school. Like, if I was to be fully fit, I wouldn't be able to do those things. You know, so. Um. Yeah, I, I've I've realised like I've got so much to learn in the outside world, you know. Because sometimes you get stuck in the rugby bubble. You think, uh, um, you know, you've I've got everything handed to me on a on a silver platter. You know, I've got breakfast and lunch stuff made. My washing and stuff is done. You know, but now that I've sort of, which I sort of knew, you know, like I've had big injuries as well, missed it. But um, yeah, it's it's going well. Like um. I've just got to find stuff to do outside. I need to learn some French because I've been here for two, almost three years now. And my <laughs> French is still shite. <laughs> it's obviously an order a sausage roll. I don't think they they probably I do can't those find in it. I can't <laughs> even find. So and let, like where we used to stay, you know Grimsby's. Oh, yeah. yes, lovely, yes. lovely I that place. You know, like I used to go there uh, Tuesday or something like that, and just there and a can of Coke or a can of Fanta, 
And then that was one of the first times I've had like um, mushing peas and shit like that. I was like, and I've never heard of this stuff. Magnifique. That that curry from the Golden Mile. You're 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 earning like this is you're learning about the proper Leicester cuisine. Yeah, you know, like it was crazy, you know, because I was like I see driving back there the other day. It was just like, oh man. We were so stupid. I mean, it, was a, it was a really long drive, I bet, as he kept stopping to go and just do another quick sample <laughs> yeah. taster menu. <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah, Greg's yeah. just as good as I remembered them. Yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't tell people in Paris about that. They'll throw you uh, out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So your, your focus, obviously, right now is, firstly, obviously, appreciate the little things that you don't always get to do, which I think is a really good holistic way to look at like your recovery and then, and then to get back fit. But uh, uh, have you got any sort of more... I suppose medium term plans you want you're sharing about obviously there's all sorts of crap rugby publications that we don't listen to but occasionally your name gets thrown around like looking at coming back to England uh I'm not going to try and get a scoop for you because I'm sure you would tell me but would you ever want to come back to the premiership um if so we'll do a whip round uh and we'll, we'll make sure you come back to Welford Road <laughs> and we'll get and we'll get Greg's Leicester to do a sponsorship deal for you <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. What, what do you buy Greg's exactly Greg Greg's can bankroll it for you to come yeah. back um yeah I mean if, if the opportunity and the timing is right you know I'd love to come back and um only thing is I I, I hope it'll be a list only be a Leicester to be honest because um I don't know, like, it's, it's like I think that's the only sort of place that I know that I'll do well and, you know, but um, now that I've got a family, my partner's from London area as well, so it's like, you know, I can't really cut cut those teams off as well, you know, but um, I definitely wouldn't turn it down, you know, like, uh, to be able to go back and, and perform. I mean, if Freddie can do it, I'm sure there's somewhere down the line I can, <laughs> you know, try and come back. But, um, so what you're saying is minimum premiership final winning performance is to be expected <laughs> on your return. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you I score a last minute winner for us, T, we'll, we'll all take that, to be fair. Yeah, we'll all buy you sausage rolls for life, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, just to be able to play again at Watford would be unreal, you know, but um, it is what it is this day and age, and it's um, especially with all the financial stuff going on and, and the premiership now, like everyone's so tight, you know. Um, but you know, I've got two. I've got uh, my young girl here who's English, so I need to at some point go back. Um, but I, I just don't know when the time is and when the time's right. You know, I'd like to. I most likely be living in the UK to be honest. So I just don't know where. <laughs> So I know before we were setting up this call, you wanted to sort of talk about your relationship with the fans and how much you enjoyed playing at Welford Road. So I'll, I'll hand over the platform to you um, here. Um, yeah, I think uh, for me, I just wanted to, to thank them personally. Um, the, the feeling that I got when I got to play in front of you guys, um, it made me feel so uh, almost invincible. You know, when I got out there on a nice three o'clock game, on a you know on a sad day at Welford Road, and you know the sun's coming down, and you're just out there, and you're at the back, and it's just like I just felt like I was the boy, you know, like just welcome to my house, like I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> nothing's gonna go wrong for me today. I want to carve this team up, and that's how I felt. Once I crossed those white line, and every time I scored, I was just like, yeah, I'm the boy, you know, <laughs> like, and one of my my favorite games was. Um, 
Stade Francais at home, funny enough. You know? That was a hell of a game. I remember. You Did know? Brendan O'Connor score in that one as well? Yeah. Yep. Everyone was scoring. You know, yeah. I remember Ricky was just, you know, his hand, like it was unreal. It was one of the best, uh, most memorable atmospheres that I've, I've played in, you know, like, and the backline that we had, it was like guys like Matt Tate, Freddie Burns, and Manu in there. You know, it was just crazy. And funny enough, when I came back here to Paris, I was like, yeah, I know you guys remember me. She's <laughs> 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 back. Yeah, but, um, yeah I, I really miss the fans, you know. Like, uh, I remember everywhere when I first came. My favourite times as well was, like, not playing as well because I used to go through the um, the tunnels and stuff like that and, you know, buy some um, some fries or some crisp potato crisps or a pint and someone would always buy me a pint. And it just felt real. Do you know what I mean? I didn't have to. Um, I could have. I was able to talk shit with them. I was able to go to um, local club rugby and play touch and and join in there. You know, like I think we missed <coughs> the element of uh, of amateur rugby. And I feel like at Leicester when I was there, mm. it felt like it was still there. You know, you had guys that um, that really loved the game, passionate about the the game, and. I was, I don't know, I just love having a beer with some of them and, and just talking to them on a, on a, on a normal basis, you know. And when I got out there to play, they really appreciated the way that I played. And I just felt like they really took me in. You know, I mean, one time sitting up in the, in the stands, I wasn't able to play and sharing a cup of tea with this, uh, this lovely lady who was sitting next to me. And I was like, man, this is quite cool. This is so weird, but, <laughs> you know, it was awesome. Well, I'm sure we speak before for all the fans though, and say we very much miss you too. Um, some of the sights of you ripping up teams, being the king, uh, as uh, as we as we call you, King T was was it was just uh, it was unbelievable to watch. One of the best, one of the best attacking players we've ever had at Tigers. Yeah, I was going to say it's an absolute pleasure to 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 to, to go to a game and just be able to watch you just do a moment of magic and just make it look easy. I mean, it, as a fan. Who could only dream of such things? It was just an absolute pleasure to, to watch it. And I think all of us have our own favourite memories of you. My yeah. personal one is, is try over at Saris when you turned the guy inside out. The one at Newcastle where you think you broke his ankles, where you turned oh, him yes. inside out. <laughs> that oh, one where God. you just absolutely savaged him. I think that was, that, was that, that um, Matt Tate's brother. Was it Alex Tate who you did that to? And and after you've done it, his his head kind of slumps and he goes, "Oh no, that's going to be on a I've, high. That's real." I've been to, I've been to lose the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, it was it was like I had such a great time. And going back on the fans, like they used to travel, man. They used to travel everywhere. We did always be Tigers fans, and that was something that I I always tried to make as much time as I can because I really appreciated <clears throat> because we were all fans to start off with on this journey. You know, to become a, being a rugby player, you always start as a, as a big fan of someone. So, like, we always try to make time because I really appreciate how much they took out of their week or their time to come up to wherever we went. Honestly, it was like Newcastle, Exeter, these, you always see the stripes waving from somewhere. So, uh, just for me on a personal note, I'd like to thank all those fans and apologise on the way that I left. But, you know... You've got nothing really to apologise for, mate. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, if we you say... Um, still still a legend in these parts and uh let let us know whenever you're back up in Leicester because you'll be inundated with pints 
um, <laughs> sausage rolls, all sorts of other healthy Leicester specialist snacks. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. You're such a fan of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it. <laughs> well, I live in Melton Mowbray now, Toulouse, so I can get you a pork pie. The real deal. Yeah. The real. Well, it's deal. weird because I, I, when I first moved in, I, I moved in with. Uh, I, now my house is based in Nether Broughton, so it's close to to Melton Mowbray, and I used to go and play touch on the rugby field and. And there was a KFC in Mountain Mowbray as well, so it was, it was you know, one minute. <laughs> it truly is a magical place. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for spending some time with us this evening. And, uh, yeah, all, all the best uh, with your rehab as well. Cheers. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Let's look ahead now to... Probably the most daunting fixture in the league. Nice to get it out of the way early, I think. You know, I, I'm not going to go down Harlequin's route in the semi-final last year because it backfired horribly where I think Marler and Evans started slagging off the fan base, started slagging off the, the <laughs> ground, saying they played shit rugby. And then they got there and I think Will, they scored the first try. Will Evans started shushing the uh, everyone at Allianz Park. And, oh, sorry, the Stonex, beg your pardon now, Stonex Stadium. And... It all kind of like got flipped uh, back onto them as Saris did a Saris and, and turned them over. So, from from my perspective, it, I'll take the good that you can take out of those. It is a horrible place to go and play because Saracens are so good. We don't like playing on five G. That's nothing against Stonex Stadium. It's just not uh, not a nice pitch to play on, in my view. And I think that we don't particularly like it as a club. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, it is Saracens. They're the baddies, as we always like to say, and. We're playing them away from home. So what are your thoughts on this one? But good to get it out of the way early, I think. Yeah, I I, I get that. I get the the thing the feeling behind that, um, for sure. I think with Saris is you have to respect them immensely because they are the club to beat. You know, for me, if you finish above Saris, you probably finish top of the league. And it, it they are whether you people want to admit it or not, they are um the team to beat. They always will be. They are they they are superbly strong. And they provide a massive challenge, especially at um, especially at, at the Stonex. They're just relentless, and they looked as though they've added a few uh, added a few extra bits and pieces to their game. A bit of an offloading style and a, a bit more of an attacking thrust, which again mm. puts them um, makes them more even more dangerous. That being said, this weekend probably gives us the best opportunity to get something yes. um, from there. Because there's a few good reasons why we can go down with a little bit of confidence in ourselves in that we can actually do a, a bit of damage. I completely agree. I think the way they've played so far this season should put to bed the frankly lazy assumption that Saracens play boring rugby. They play really super effective attacking rugby. It's really good to watch, actually. I hate to say it. They've got some phenomenal players in daily excels in that in that system as well. Farrell. Uh, I always think he's magnificent for them. And Ben Earl, of course, who I think is a complete tip for the way that he screams around on the pitch, but it, he was—he is absolutely sensational for them. That, but I agree with you. I, I'm still not putting us down as favourites. Oh, no. Nope. But... Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. But there are a couple of reasons to be cautiously optimistic. I think the first one, to be quite brutal, is the fact that I think that their second row, whilst Tizard is playing well, they are without a couple of their heavy hitters. Ezekway on the long-term injury list. I understand that Toje is also unfit, given that he, he's not been announced in the England training squad either. So that gives us a little bit 
of an edge, I would like to think, potentially in the engine room. I'm not convinced by their front row, Jamie George's side. And I think that we might want to target the scrum. They're, they've lost Vincent Cox. That's obviously a huge loss for them in the, in the set piece. And finally, um, whilst I said our mall needs a little bit of work, um, their mall defence looks quite susceptible against Gloucester, and literally the best rolling mall in the league there. And obviously we know that we quite like that method of attack as well. So a couple of areas for us to exploit, I think. You took all three points I was going to make and you've made them superbly Excellent, well. Excellent, because you always do that to me. So I'm getting my revenge in one swift podcast. I'm so sorry for doing <laughs> that. Why don't you elaborate and make them make more sense then? Well, if you look at, if you start with the second row, Etoje and Ezekwe are just immense. You know, Etoje you don't really need to talk about because he is just a test match animal. Big name player, big game player, loves these occasions and is just a nuisance. Weirdly subdued in the final. Uh, I'm not sure whether that was because we got at him or he was just under par, but we never saw Itoji's influence in the game. Um, so to not have him is a is a big loss for Saris. Ezekwe is a really good player. And we've seen it when he was on loan at Saints and last year when he was back with Saris, how good a player he is and what a player he's turning into. Um, it's good that he's back in amongst the England uh, recognition as well. It's just sad to see that he's now got injured. So if you look at those two players, we're going to be going in with a combination of either Chesham and Wells or Chesham and Green, um, I would expect. Either way, we're going to be going in with our front two second rows. That has to give us an edge. In the front row, um, I think as we've, we've, we've said before, Mauro... Um, but Apollo has been got at before by Coley. We've seen it before in previous Leicester tight Leicester Saris games, but Coley's had Marrow um, on toast a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And um, that gives us an edge. In the final, we thought we might have uh, do a bit of damage against Saris in the um, yeah. in the scrum department. That old uh, Vincent Cock did an, <laughs> he did superbly well. Well, again, just... I thought thought our scrum had trailed off a little bit towards the end of last year anyway. Like I said, we didn't get the, a panel on Saints either. Given how we went after the same front row, effectively, against Saints, I think we should have our tails up, hopefully, this time. And Cronin is probably a tad stronger than Genji in the scrimmage. It's hard to give many weaknesses about Genji, but I probably... Oh, and I wouldn't say it's a weakness either. It's just no. not as strong as his other areas. So I think I think if you look at the three Cs, I think they'll be looking to target um, that Sarri's front row because without Vincent Cock, that is that makes instantly Sarri's front row weaker. And I think Makovunapola is a really good player, but I think Coley would, would would take take the game to him there. So that's an area for us. And then yeah, I think like you say, we scored two or three tries in both games against Sarri's by the rolling ball. We know that when we get it going, it's a massive weapon for us. And you know. On a plastic pitch, it's a, it's a smooth surface to make sure that actually you can get a clean drive and to push through because once you get the momentum going, you should be able to, to you know, it's a good surface to play in and to get the drive going. So, look, we, we, we've had a couple of fallow weeks with the drive. Now would be a good time to, to re-engage and get that fired back up um, and get that going. And I think if you look at how we can select our pack for, mm. for Saturday's game, I think that gives us a, an opportunity to do some damage for the line out. Absolutely. So any changes that you'd make to the team that started against Saints? I would keep most of the 23. Um, I've yes. got to be honest, you could make, I think the Prem Cup game during the week at home to Wasps takes away Steve's um, 
penchant for mixing things up against Saris. So I think we'll be as near as Damage as 23. I don't think I, mean, I don't think we'll see the Steve Borthwick trick of last year, uh, where he put out quite strange teams that performed really well uh, in both games. Obviously, won one quite fortunately, and then lost the other, but but with a bonus point. But uh, I think we had Ollie Chesson at number eight in the one away at Saracens from recollection. So really odd stuff. But I agree. I think that now we're a known force, so to speak. We're a known quantity. When we've locked horns for real with Saracens and come out on top, I think that he will go with the best team he can possibly put out, I think. I think you might see some subtle changes. You can maybe make an argument to swap in Ashton and Potter around. Yeah. You might. You could make an argument that... George Martin has played three games of 80 minutes in a row. You therefore might want to protect him because it's a traditional position. And you might want to go Cracknell to start with and bring Martin off yeah. on the bench. Or you do a Wells and Green in the second row and put Chesham at six and move Martin to the bench to protect him. Look, we don't see the stats. We don't know that what yeah. shape the bodies are in. We have to we defer to the coaches on that one. But the other argument or, would or, be around... Yeah, or or seven as well as the other option as well. Whether or not you want to go for because Cracknell has played a lot at seven. Whether you want to go for a properly abrasive physical carrying threat and and have Rafael on the bench with Cracknell at seven, Martin and Liebenberg, the, the new Bang Bros, so to speak, that we uh, tried to trademark last year. But I, I'm um, wouldn't be necessarily advocating that against Saracens. I think we probably need Tommy's disruption, but I, it will be something that Borthwick is thinking about. I'm sure. And another thing would be at scrum half, do you bring Wiggy back? I think JVP is in the 23. I think JVP plays. It's just whether you bring Wigglesworth back into the mix, given how we got on in the final against Saris. But it's nice to have options. Again, it just shows you the depth and the options that we've got in the squad. What about you? I know you've been an advocate for uh, PC. But for oh yeah, PC. So I thought it said DC. I thought, what well, Dan Cole in the backs. Oof, now, now there's something we want to see. Look, I, I do think that we will want to, I personally want to see Freddie Burns with Thockner Singer and um, in the absence of Kelly and Porter in the centres. But I don't think this will be the game that Steve makes that change. I think he will want to kick again uh, uh, quite a lot. And I think for that, he will probably have Jimmy Goppeth in. Freddie Stewart, one thing we don't give him credit for is he's got an enormous kick on him. He's absolutely got a huge boot. And therefore, actually, I think Steve will be quite attracted by the potential range of kick across the whole backline you've got. If you've got effectively Jimmy standing at first receiver, you can open up one angle. Then he pulls it back to Freddie on on the um, on the wrap, and he's got a different angle. Then he can even put it wide to uh, Freddie Stewart, who kicks down the line with serious precision and with at serious distance as well. So. I suspect we probably will keep Jimmy in. And I, I, I have to concede, I think it probably would be the right call for this game. I think for other games, though, I'd like to see us um, have an out and out, I'd say, more rounded 12 in place. The other thing to consider, of course, is whether or not we may see Freddie Stewart on the wing at some point. I don't think he'd start there, but mix it up a little bit again against Saracens. I know that that can be quite attractive too. So um, perhaps as well, you talk about Ashton coming in. Nemani obviously didn't play in the uh, final. And again, I wonder if Nemani might drop out of the side for this one. Yeah, it's interesting. I would keep Nemani in. I've got to be honest. I would. I think I think he feels like he's in a hot streak at the moment. And I think you'd keep him going uh, because of that. Yeah, I agree as well. And and again, I'm very firmly with the viewers. We've got him for a limited time. Now let's use him as much as we can. So what are you saying for score then? What are you feeling? 
I think Sarri's a favourite, despite yes. what we said about the front row and the second row. I think they still remain favourites. Tough place to go. I would probably say Sarri's by four. I think we'll get a losing bonus point, and I think it'll be a real humdinger of a game. And I'm actually genuinely really excited for it. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with you, but I'm superstitious, and I don't ever want to predict Tigers to lose because we had a really good season where I was arrogantly predicting us to win everything. So I'm going to do the same here again. I think we'll win. Uh, my heart is telling me, and we'll win by one point. Oh, what a game that would be! The one pointer. I've not predicted it yet, but I'm going to predict a one point win. Well, that brings us to the end of the pod for this week. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please do rate, subscribe, or leave a review, whatever it is, all that nice stuff that you can do. Please do it, because we put in a lot of effort for absolutely no cash. Uh, so it would be nice, uh, obviously, to get ourselves back up the ratings. Uh, I hope you agree with us as well, but Talisa Vianu, I'm not actually joking at it. We got emotional at the end of that interview. The, the love he has for the club was just astonishing, wasn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Really good uh, guy. Really good to have him on. And like you say, he cares and he gets it. Yeah, absolutely loves the club, you can see. And, oh, God, it would be great to see him come back. Uh, and what also shot through was his absolute love for beige baked goods, uh, which I wasn't expecting. But, you know, he's a fan of the Leicester cuisine over the Paris cuisine by the sounds of it. Hey, I feel less guilty about having a steak bake and a sausage roll from Greg's now. If it's good enough for Toulouse, it's good enough for me. <laughs> if it gets you stepping like Toulouse, then maybe we'll see you back on the rugby pitch soon as well. Uh, let's go uh, just a very couple of quick shout outs. So first one is uh, the midweek game against Wasps. So we're not previewing that properly. Obviously, it's it's not properly televised. And rather than being given its own weekend slot, we don't have a really have the time to cover every single game. But another really exciting side. I'm very excited again to see the Boston Tower, who we're looking to name Stump now. What do you think? Lewis Chesham, Stump, we're going to stick with that? Yeah, let's do it. Let's make, get the campaign going. Cool, cool. So we've got Cam Henderson uh, alongside Stump. That's a really exciting second row. I think the pack actually was really, really exciting. James Wickham captaining it. And then all the excitement that we had, I think, from before as well, the back line, be, hopefully they'll get a little bit more space to perform this time around because I think it is probably against a more evenly matched side in what I'd say in terms of experience. Sale put out a reasonably stacked team last time round. Uh, they gave a very good account of themselves. So really interested in that. And I think it's on BT Sport as well. It is. Seven o'clock kickoff. So uh, make sure you're at Welford Road a little bit earlier. Uh, but it's the baby squad. Baby squad can go and cause some damage. Um, was that the nickname for the Leicester City hooligans? It was indeed. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, good. Well, let, let's hope they go in with that same amount of vigour. Maybe not the same amount of wanton criminality with it, but uh, the same amount of enthusiasm. Uh, and I'm sure they'll put in a brilliant... Uh, display. Uh, last thing we got asked about was to comment on the Worcester situation and the administration there. Um, the, the news that that's come out tonight is they've been forced into administration, which I think Elliot and I think is good because it means they can have all their transactions reviewed and we can find out exactly what has happened and pull the curtain back and ignore all the bluster coming from owners. We're not going to talk about it in detail because there's still quite a lot to come out, I think. Uh, and also, this is a Tigers podcast. There's probably lots of other podcasts with, with better informants than we have in terms of how they're going to go. And obviously, the situation is still quite delicate at Wasps as well. So we're keeping a keen eye on that. Uh, worrying time, so for the, the Premiership as a whole, though, isn't it, Elliot? It is. And I, as as we said before, everything goes out to the all our thoughts are really with the staff, the players, yeah. and fans at both Worcester and Wasps. 
in terms of you know decisions that have been made without any of their influence on it you know they're having to to react to all of this um as we are but they're centrally involved in it so look it's worrying times for rugby we just hope that all those involved uh you just you know we send your best wishes and best regards really absolutely and I think one thing this weekend has shown is that the quality, the product on the pitch is fantastic. It is brilliant. If there is something going wrong with Premiership Rugby at the moment, it is with, firstly, I think the management of those clubs in, in particular, they do stand out. But if there is anything about not growing the game, that is all off-field. It is not on-field. The product is brilliant. Anyway, that's enough from us for this week. Thank you very much. We look forward to speaking to you again next week. Guy Well, Tigers at the weekend against Saris. 